everyone, and welcome to the NovaCast, a Digimon rewatch experience. I'm Sloan. I'm Scrafty. And I'm Tom. And today, we are here for the final episode of Digimon Adventure Zero Two, episode 50, the epilogue, We've Made It. We do it. Congratulations, you've done it. Ugh, this is... <laughs> It's so weird. It feels like it feels like this has both taken forever and been really fast. <laughs> like it feels yeah, like we it ha- started this yesterday. Yeah, it hasn't been a year yet. Yeah, like it feels like we started zero two yesterday. But the other time, the other hand, I look back at all of the episodes we've covered and I'm like, wow, some of these are really slogging, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was particularly um, I felt like parts of O two were a bit of a slog, to be honest. Like, namely, uh, namely the whole Black War Greymon <laughs> saga. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's the first time in doing this like this podcast that like I kind of watch those episodes with like one eye on the screen, the other eye on my phone because <laughs> it's just yeah, there's just not a whole lot like going on to captivate us during during that arc. Sadly not. Sadly yeah, not. Yeah, no. it it was kind of rough, and uh, this episode we're gonna have some things to say about it, but probably not probably what will be expected, and probably not what will be expected, just because this episode is very thin. Yeah. Like there yeah, like we're... like I I was looking at like the clock and I'm like, wow, like they're really coming up on time. Nothing's happened and we haven't <laughs> even seen the epilogue yet. Like what is happening? We're yeah, just like a like pre like premature heads up. Most of this episode we're gonna be talking about the epilogue and not the actual episode itself. Yeah. <laughs> but before we talk about the episode or the epilogue, we have some Digimon news. First off, uh they're doing gotcha style, which is kind of sus- suspect, but um uh, dim chips, tamer dim chips for the vital bracelet. So basically, from what I understood, I, I saw this a few days ago. You uh, you order one and you get either Impmon, Gilmon, Renamon, or Monodramon, which is a uh, Rio's uh, rookie form partner. Which no Terriermon feels like very suspect. They 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 know people want Terriermon. They're not gonna put yeah. it on a gacha. Yeah, they they're gonna do like an expensive terrier mon like Lopmon set or something. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah, I do. Just like doing like physical products as a gacha is like it's, the scummiest thing ever. It's so gross. I mean, I know Gachapon like originally was completely random, but like that was for like trinkets, like little keychains or whatever, not for yeah. you know a fifteen dollar piece of hardware that you're going to get like multiple hours of digital entertainment out of. Yeah. Yeah, like I looked up on eBay just to see if, like, because sometimes you know people get the the Gachapon stuff and they sell it individually on eBay or whatever. And there was someone selling the individual boxes, and there was a comment being like, "Can you get me like a specific one?" And the guy's like, "No, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> no one can." <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. It just feels. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some. Maybe it's like, oh, we don't want to make a load of like you know X Digimon because you know they're not as popular or whatever. But like. I'm just thinking, like, Digimon is kind of... It's not like Pokemon in the sense that, like, you know, there's almost a thousand of them or so, but, like, only, you know, there's some which are clearly way more popular than others. Like, yeah, there's a lot of Digimon out there, but you're really... You know, there's either there's either Digimon people recognize and like, or there's all the others. <laughs> like, you know, you could just do a range that is full of Digimon that people actually like and recognize from the cartoons and stuff and would still buy. So I don't really see the sense in in doing this gacha thing when they can just be like, oh, here's the Agumon one. Here's I think, this. yeah, I think it's just to squeeze more money out of people. Of course yeah. it is, yeah, but it's it's not even, like, justifiable in any sense. Which yeah, is... I think that business model, like, it makes a twisted kind of sense when 
um, you know, it's like a eight dollar keychain that like, oh, you know, I spent eight dollars and get the one I want. I'll just buy another one. But if it's a fifteen dollar like SIM card that has to go overseas before you can even open it, <laughs> like, well, that's a whole other. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other ball game. Yeah, the 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 whole thing of just like, will this merch actually get a proper release or not? Like, it's cool that the Digimon card game kind of came over um, to the West um, in a in a fashion, but like, um, I don't know. It, it's it seems it seems like it's less common for most Digimon stuff to make the way make the way overseas. So, uh, I think that's just the reality of it. This is an expensive thing to be a fan of, unless you just like the anime. In which case, it's a really cheap thing to be a fan, <laughs> to be a fan of. Um, but cheap is yeah, free. That's that's how the cook. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that's a shame. But oh well, <laughs> not too surprising. This is this is Bandai and Namco we're dealing with here, so we can't yeah. have a precedent for this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean these these are the people who put um who have put like gachas in the last three fighting games they've made. Like not not even like. <laughs> Gacha games, like fighting games that have unlockable content, lock it behind random drops to keep you playing. <laughs> like they, yeah, they know I what mean, they're about at this point. This, this is like all of their like Digimon like phone games, plus all the like other games like Dragon Ball Z stuff and all that. And I think there's a Tails one now, and got all, all the sorts of stuff. So yeah, it's 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 their bread and butter. It's just how, yeah, that's just how things are. But yeah, doing it to physical products feels like an extra sort of kick in the shins. Yeah, I just like I just think of Tekken Tekken Seven. How Tekken Seven's got like a really I wouldn't say robust, but a a pretty fun character, like custom character costume creator. Yeah, sure. But the only way to unlock new pieces, like most of the new pieces for it, is by doing this random uh, loot drop thing called Treasure Battle, where you just keep fighting enemies, and every time you beat one, it drops a random piece of gear. The only problem is the gear drops are is a hundred percent random. You have to unlock it per character instead of like per you know roster essentially and as an extra slap in the face even when you've unlocked unlocked it through the loot drop you still have to use the in-game cash to pay for it and some of them are like prohibitively expensive so like i know people who literally just like you know they just set like their their console to have a a turbo button on and uh left it overnight to just to get the the items they needed for that because they didn't want to bother sitting there and doing it over and over again that's smart if you're ever having to do anything like that for a video game um, there will probably be probably like twenty more way better games you could play within that time span. Like I, I, <laughs> I don't really. I mean, I play this. I, I, I will kind of make an exception for like phone games because at least that's something more casual and like you know that really requires zero sort of you know head empty. Just you can just sort of do it oh, while yeah. watching a, a film or something. But when yeah, it comes like, to like a console, like last game, week when I was on the phone for five hours. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so that kind of thing is perfect for that but not not like a console game i don't know that just seems like a waste um but yeah anyway yeah it's just it's just a waste of like i think companies are just realizing that like the most valuable thing isn't necessarily isn't just sales they want continued engagement with the product as well they want people to log on and see their friends playing that as well and one way of doing that is just by putting in this kind of crap that forces to grind out stuff yeah i feel like i I, I say that despite currently playing monster hunter rise and enjoying the grind (laughs) so i'm a bit of a hypocrite but yeah i mean we we all have our games and i feel like that's the one thing i i I was trying to figure out recently like why does animal crossing uh which has been out for about a year now uh well definitely a year now um why does that feel like it has had so much less stuff added to it despite the fact it has actually had a fair bit added to it and 
I'm not talking about stuff that you know people have data mined and will it show up? Will it? Will it not? I don't know. Like the point is, is that there's a fair bit added to it, but because it's been over the space of the year, and I think the the additions to it have been modest to say the least. Um, it I realized what it was is that I was just I was just comparing it like subconsciously to your Fortnites of the world and honestly pretty much every other game where the rollout of new content and new stuff to look at and do and engage with um is endless. So yeah, it's not too surprising that this stuff happens. Um and yeah, I and mean, I think that's what they want to do with stuff like the Digimon uh <laughs> bit, just to bring it back on topic. Um <laughs> it's uh, just a case of like, oh well you know, we want you to be trying to get the new stuff, and obviously there's money involved, but it even means that, like, you know, by the time you get that new thing, they may it may be time to launch something else for it, which you may not have noticed if you weren't, quote-unquote, engaged <laughs> with the product still, so, I don't know. I feel like just make a thing, and if people like it, they'll keep using it. I don't know, it's just... Yeah. But hey-ho, it's, you know, the reality is, is that Digimon's a... It is a... A, fra- a brand, a franchise, a toy series. So that's that's how this is going to go. Just don't don't spot it. You know, if you don't like it, don't buy it. Put your money elsewhere. Yeah, it's like I. It sucks because I I do want it. I do want to support it, but I don't want to support like <laughs> this version of it. So like they're going to do this, and it's not going to do well because you know a you have to import it if you're not living in Japan, and b the fact that it's um you know a, a gacha means that people aren't going to want to have uh, they don't want to get the digital one they want instead of having to keep chilling out for it uh and then yeah like, those two combinations might not make it do as well internationally and they go oops guess there was no demand for it i feel like well they're not they're not formally releasing it internationally are they i mean through um through premium bandai they are oh that's right yeah okay and it's right, and it's I sold thought... out you can i a friend linked to me uh on another discord uh you can buy them and ship them to the U.S. Uh, via Amazon.co.jp, but uh, I mean, P Bandai sold out like near instantly, and so if you really want it, you're basically just this is, you're you're out of luck. Yeah, mostly this is this is for the hardcore, like the hardcore of the hardcore with people with money to burn. This is this is like um, Saudi prince type stuff, where like you get <laughs> more money than more money than God, and if you into it, if you into something, you can you can spend that money. Uh, to no end, and uh, the, the the like the, the common folk. <laughs> it's not really not really for them. Um, and not if it for was, us peasants. Cheaper, yeah, and they'd make more of them. Yeah. So I don't know. If they don't want me to have it. Then then you know, then they won't. Then I won't get it. And more more loss to them. Yeah. Uh, Crafty, would you like to do the honor of bringing up the next piece of news because it seems fresher in your mind than my own? So yes. So um. By the time you're listening to this, it will have been, you know, a week since this happened. But yesterday, as of when we're recording this, is uh, was April Fool's Day. And Bandai Namco likes doing a lot, a lot of weird April Fool's Days. Last year, they did some kind of, uh, like, I think Metabots crossover with one of the Digimon mobile games. Uh, in which the two, like, main Metabots, Metabi and Rokusho, um, could be summoned into the game. And then they also could DNA Digivolve into a... Omnimon-style fusion of them both, which is really cool. Uh, so they're continuing that trend this year, because in, like, in addition to you know just their usual news that we talked about just a second ago, they also announced a bunch of Metabots um, DIM cards for the, the Digimon Vital bracelet. So these are... It was a joke, but it's also real. Like, it, it's a silly product, but you can actually buy it yourself. 
um, and have a little Metabot as your uh, your Digimon partner for this uh, this weird uh, pseudo Fitbit thing. So it's you know that's probably only gonna apply to maybe f- like two people who listen to this total, <laughs> but it's uh it's still pretty. One of them is me. <laughs> like it's I don't know if anyone else uh was into Metabots when they were younger. I used to watch it all the time um when I was at my cousin's house because. It was usually, for some reason, one of the few shows that was on TV when I was visiting. Um, so I have a very fond memories of that, and uh, I think that's a pretty rad idea. If it wasn't prohibitively expensive, and again, um, for a product that isn't even widely available in North America, I would I would definitely pick it up. Yeah, I I tried watching some Metabots like a little while back, and like I did watch some of it, and I'm like, hey, like this show is actually like pretty decent, like kind of funny, like the dub was surprisingly good. But, uh, that was, I mean, I didn't really keep up on it. I think Metabots are really cool, but I am not doing a Metabots rewatch experience, so apologies <laughs> to all three Metabots fans. Maybe in the future. <laughs> Maybe, we'll Maybe in the future. This. I feel like there seems to be a lot of, like, um, shared DNA, sort of, between the Digimon and Metabots, like, I, I I remember it being on when I was younger on TV and, and not really thinking anything of it because I just never happened to catch it. And I just assumed it was another, you know, wannabe Pokemon thing, you know. Um, and then I remember hearing about it years later that, no, actually, the games in the, like, the show and that were actually legit. And I was like, okay. So in that sense, it's kind of like a... It's surprising in the same way that, like, you know, once upon a time, you may have told me the Digimon show was good and I'd be like, get out of here. It's not, it's not good. It's just a toy commercial. So yeah, um, that's that's not surprising. But yeah, anyway, that's we have a lot of Digimon to get through first <laughs> before we start yeah, talking yeah. about anything else. <laughs> we do have one last piece of news, and it's uh, through the Digimon Partners portal. They have announced a uh, 20th anniversary celebration for Digimon Tamers. So I guess what Shiaku Kanaka suspected is correct. They are, in fact, doing some kind of summer celebration for um, the 20th anniversary of the series. It's got a very slick logo with uh, Gilmon's eyes, the zero and the two. Yeah. And it's, it, uh, it's very much it's very much merch driven. This thing, like, it's definitely like the dim cards that you've just mentioned previously for the yeah. Uh, but at least it shows they're remembering tamers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's some plush toys and stuff, and they're sick as hell. Um, uh, figure model of uh, uh, Gallantmon, aka Jukemon in Japan. So, oh yeah, I, I saw that one's uh, yeah, that one's like uh, one of the model kits that's coming out. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the the, the cool figurized yeah, the, the figurized designs look so cool. Like I don't know what it is about them; they look more angular than the actual signs usually do. But that that adds a kind of like a a mecha feel to them, which I guess is appropriate considering they're you know mecha model kits. It actually seems relatively affordable um, before customers and that, but uh, so that that might be something I'm actually looking to get in because <laughs> yeah, really cool. and I mean. Honestly, Tom, I would I would just check to see if there's any model kit stores in your area because like there almost certainly is at least one within you know driving your subway distance, and um, it'll almost certainly have this because they always keep those in stock at least in I my don't experience. Know if it's a model kit. I don't know if it's a model kit per se, rather than like a more like a Figma sort of thing. It's just, no, uh, it, no it's, it, it's, it is it's, a it is a model kit. I'm yeah, it's a sure. fig- figurized, which is their uh, Bandai Namco's non Gundam model kit uh, series. Well, that's it. That's even cooler. To be honest, I like I like building building this stuff. So yeah, then yeah, you, I've been you keeping definitely... my eyes on their Machine Dramon one for a while. So I might <laughs> I, li- I do like Gallimon, so I might have to check this out too. I'm looking on the site now, and yeah, I can see there's the Machine Dramon and all this sort of stuff. So that's cool. That's cool. 
Anywho, uh, yeah, I think, time, I, think... I think that's the same time I've got. I have like Crash Bandicoot Nendo uh, Nendoroid <laughs> pre-order, <laughs> so I'm just like, um, uh, I think that's arriving at the same time. So I'm just like, okay, maybe I'll maybe I'll hold out, and I don't know. Uh, there's no there's no theme. I need I need like thematic consistency between all the various collectibles and shit I've managed to gather up, and so far it's all video no, games. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I feel like I do because that's just that's just me. Um, anyway. That was that's cool. I'm glad they're you know glad they're recognising Tamers and doing some cool stuff there, just in time Definitely. really because we're about to go to that. So yeah, but before good we do, good job us. We to totally planned it. End... Yes, <laughs> good job us. We we nailed it. But yeah, we got to we got to talk about the end of the end of this show first. Uh, Adventure. Yeah, teams, I mean so. it, the the fact that we're bringing it off so long says a lot about how how little we have to say. What I feel. <laughs> no, I've got so a, little got, and so much. We've got a fair bit to say, but. Also, I mean, about the epilogue, but not about, like, the actual, like, episode itself. Yeah, the itself. episode is, like, there's, like, three things. There's a few uh, things Speaking of the episode, about, yeah. uh, Tom, would you like to do the honors of covering our final episode of Digimon Adventure Zero Two? Yeah, sure would. So, this uh, this final episode, and it's called 50 million, sorry, uh, it's episode 50, A Million Points of Light. Just before you go further, um, do you, do either of you know what the, the origin of that title is? <laughs> No, you you asked me before we started recording. I, I, I was um, like, I know, I know it's from something, but I can't. This remember, is, this is so gonna yeah. hit you like a punch to the gut. Do you know what this is? No. This is a reference to George H. W. Bush's volunteer campaign, "A Thousand Points of Light." Is it? Oh, okay. I yeah, like I've heard that phrase before, but not not in that context. The the wiki the wiki <sighs> confirms it. I, I thought I I thought I recognized it, and yeah, so. Um, George H.W. Bush would uh, commonly use this phrase, a thousand points of light, which is, um, you know, his metaphor for uh, people banding together to, to volunteer their talent to help other people out or whatever. Sure. So he, he, he said it's based off this quote that says, One moment there had been nothing but darkness, and the next moment a thousand points of light uh, leapt out, single stars, constellations, and planets, brighter and bigger than any in our world. So um, yeah, that's that's something we have to deal with forever now. Is this this series being tainted by <laughs> the the third worst president in modern history? I'm I'm just I'm just reading when this episode came out because that feels like such a like post nine eleven thing to say. And and yeah, well, H H W was was president in the early nineties. It wasn't until uh, oh, 2000. Oh H W. Okay. Yeah. Oh sorry. Okay. I was really yeah. confused. I'm like man, like third worst. Like you are being. Way too generous. <laughs> no, there will be that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, but this was like March, uh, yeah, March twenty, March to March twenty fifth in Japan and yeah, May May nineteenth in uh, in uh, America, presumably. God knows when it arrived in the UK. Um, <laughs> yes, okay. So this episode uh, picks up very shortly after, well, pretty much immediately after the last one left off. You have Malo Mayotismon in the digital world, and he's uh, just spewing darkness everywhere. Very inconsiderate of him. He's breaking down the walls between reality and making it so that there's darkness seeping into the digital world and the real world and just generally causing a big old problem. The Digimon are trying to fight him off, but he's pretty much unassailable. And while all this is going on, the kids that Oikawa basically put the dark spore in, they're watching from inside the weird, like, reality egg where they originally found my uh, and they're and they're just looking at this going on and they're just like oh crap we have to <laughs> you know this sucks and they're just being complete like defeat completely defeatist about the whole thing there's no way we're coming back from this no way we can fight him 
and then Davis is kind of saying like, "Hey, shut up! <laughs> stop being, stop being, stop being doomers." And they're like, "No, it's it's hopeless. It's hopeless." Meanwhile, in the real world, most of the Digidestined have made their way to the summer camp from the original show, where they originally entered the digital world, and because they're hoping that that will have been a a way to get into the digital world, just like they did before. So they've got the families with them as well. Uh, and they've also got Noiko, who is a girl that was infected by the Dark Spore. And they want uh, to bring her to the digital world, get rid of the Spore. And then also they all want to help fight Balamaya's month, of course. So they're not really able to break their way in. However, there is basically, this is the, this is the Goku spirit bomb moment. All of the Digidestined from across the world are recognising there's trouble. And they point their Digivices up into the sky. The light bursts out, similar to what happened when Azulongmon was freed by the Digidestined previously. They point all their Digivices to the sky, light beams shoot out, and they all travel to basically fight back the darkness that Malamite is spewing. And then all the all the Digivices, all the Digimon are doing this. They're able to use this, the the original Digidestined, you're able to use that to basically kind of Attack on Titan style fly their way into the digital world. Uh, it's really quite funny. Mimi's there as well. She comes from the US with with all the with all the American <laughs> Digidestined. Uh, there Mimi go. is there also go. there. Mimi is also there. Um, and uh, and then yeah, so they're able to. When Mimi is on the screen, Sloan should be asking, "Where's Mimi?" <laughs> I mean, it's not should be. You, you just, we just know you will be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. So the, while this is all going on, yeah, they're able to basically like weaken Malamaitis Mon through all this light and so on. He's still not quite able to be put down because the Duma kids are still being Duma kids, and they're still all like, "Oh, I don't know. It's not good. It's not going to happen." So the Digidestined have to talk to them and basically make them realize, Davis mostly making them realize, "Hey, you know, you don't need a Digimon for life to all be good. You know, you can just, you know, have a dream and, you know, work with that." And then they all start theorizing their future careers, how they will contribute to capitalism in the future, and they all manage to, you know, get over their doom and gloom. And they're rewarded for it by getting a Digimon. So Malamite is basically on the ropes here, and they all manage to basically defeat him. So Imperial, you know, the, the, the three Digidestined basically have had all that. So Cody, meanwhile, while everyone's celebrating Malamite's defeat, Cody goes to get, to get Aoikawa from the from the Egg Dimension and tries to drag him through the digital world as he wants basically, you know, to wants to see Aoikawa fulfill his dream. And Orikawa actually meets a Digimon that is his partner Digimon. However, it's kind of too little too late. Orikawa is basically destroyed internally by having Malamaita's mon's power inside him. And uh, he basically dies and disintegrates and turns into a whole load of butterflies. And he's like, I will live in the digital world forever. So it's very nice. You know, all the kids are mourning for him. And then it kind of slam cuts to the epilogue where we see all the kids and they're, and they're like where they end up 25 years later from here. We'll discuss the particulars of that because I think it's worth just going through each kid's like uh, how they end up one by one. Uh, but suffice to say, everyone lives happily ever after, pretty much. And that is the end of the episode and the end of Digimon Adventure 02. It feels weirdly anticlimactic compared to um, <laughs> Apocalypse's defeat at the end of uh, Adventure. Yeah, like it's it's very different situations and very different tone. Uh, honestly, Tom, last night when I was taking notes, I was also writing, like, Zoomers or Doomers, so, like, I'm glad that you also caught on to that, but, <laughs> like, this is, like, 
like I wouldn't necessarily even say dark in tone, but it's much more like like somber in tone. Whereas like Adventures last episode was like very triumphant. Like they literally willed themselves back into existence. They used like the power that was inside them all along to defeat Apocalymon, whose name is literally Apocalypse. And yet here it's like, oh, everyone shoot your Digivice beams at the bad guy. And then if you say what you want to be when you grow up, his arms will disappear. And it's just like, this is so weird. No, this is this is a very Disney ending. Like, this is a very power of friendship kind of crap and so on. I mean, this it's so like, it's so overwhelmingly schmaltzy and whatever. Like, I think the problem saccharin, is... Saccharin. Yeah. yeah. Saccharin, that's, that's, that's what I was looking for. So it, it's very like... See, the thing is, is that this show has no plot. <laughs> and what I mean by this is that they, as we as we've sp- spoken about, we have got to the end of this show, and basically about two thirds of the way through, or like you know, three quarters of the way through, they realize that the plot wasn't really going anywhere, and they they had different writers come in, and they put some great episodes together, but they clearly had to like gin up an ending, and they did it, but it wasn't good. <laughs> like it's an ending, a good ending by any means. <laughs> Because it's just, it's literally just, all right, we're done. Like, hey, hey, we we shoved in Malamites, one of the last-minute villain. So, you know, nothing that we can possibly do will make this climatic or satisfying. It's like, it's it's legit just that Simpsons part. It's like, I'm confused. Is this a happy ending or a sad ending? It's an ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally it. Like, we, we have a point here where... No, you know what? This is what I'm going to say, though. Like, they did an ending, but it wasn't, like, the most they could possibly do. I would say they made a significant mistake here, and we won't discuss the epilogue just yet, but the epilogue is like a few minutes of time that they could have used to actually give a definitive proper ending to the characters we knew. Well, like, adult Davis or whatever isn't a character we know. Davis is a character we know, or like Yole or so on. We know them as kids, and it would have been made more, way more sense to give them like a happy ending because it just ends with them like crying over Oikawa's death, and then it just, we just slam cut to like TK 20, 25 years later, and it's like, yeah. no, what happened to the characters? Like, that's that's a good point. Yeah, like we don't we don't know these characters. Twenty five years is twice as long as they've been alive <laughs> at the start of this at the start of zero. Twenty five so, like, years yeah. in this t- frame of time is only four years from present from now for us. Yeah, like think like, about how long that is. <laughs> yeah, it's, the future. The future the future is like the future and the past are like foreign countries basically like they, they are not the same place they're not the same people like they're speaking different languages like there's no sense of you, you know obviously if you were to follow them along that path and you can probably skip a few years here and there yeah that would have made more sense similar to like what we see with Ty when we follow him through like venture all the way up to last evolution kazuna that's more of a natural progression where the same tie can be seen and recognized throughout although he will change Giving us like three minutes of like you know future kids get kids, but now they're adults and they're they're just completely unrecognizable um, to the point where they literally have to sub in like their kids just looking exactly like their 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 kids self. Yeah, I that's like that's my least favorite trope in 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 like when it comes to time skips in the media. I I, I colloquially yeah. call it Muppet Baby Kids, but like. <laughs> When, yeah. when a character has a kid, or like even just not even a kid, just like a, a successor, and the successor just looks, acts, and sounds like a smaller version of them, like that's so boring. That is the most boring choice you could have possibly made for. Again, we're, sorry, 
we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to the epilogue proper but like the yeah i agree with you on that and i think in this case it just makes it way more obvious that like it's almost it, it's almost like the i don't know it's just not the characters like we don't see an ending for the digitastin kids they don't get a proper ending instead yeah their adult selves get an ending of sorts although we don't it's more of a beginning for them really what and... they should have done uh, is they should have done like an Animal House style thing of like, and then Kari went off to like, like you know, like those like goofy endings and like stupid like teen yeah. movies where it's like, Honestly, and then yeah, so and so went off to college and won a pie eating contest or something like, do something like that, like like where like it ends like in a like in black and white of like them like in their like late teen years or something like give us something like that I, because otherwise yeah I I wanna I wanna talk about this more when we actually talk about the epilogue proper. But the structure and even the framing device of the epilogue is inspired, or not even inspired, directly referencing a, a 1980s movie that was very popular in Japan. Right, okay, we'll get to that. We'll yeah, get we'll, that. we'll get so, to okay, that when I, we get to I, that. I, so, I think I know what you're talking about now. But so yeah, we'll, save, we'll get save, to that. save this for a second. Put that in your pocket okay. for, for I'll put it in my pocket. We keep veering into the epilogue, so let's let's talk, let's talk about what actually happens in this episode. Yeah, so let's, and I think the key thing to... I think the key thing to talk about here, uh, because it's really the main, it's it's the most sort of meaty part of the actual plot of part of this episode, and it's Oikawa, who yeah. I yeah. didn't even I didn't even expect him to like get an ending of sorts. I figured he was just done, um, just because of how this episode seemed to just be rushing to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they give him like a proper send off, okay, he gets a better send off than any of the kids. Like it's he, true, he, yeah. His character development, yeah. his character development is closed. Like they close the loop on his character. I, I'm gonna and, be honest. I was kind of yeah. tearing up because, like, his, the way his character comes together, and like he's like, I'm, I'm, I can't make it. And then he's like, because he's like, no, you can. Like, but like, what about you? Like, what about her? Like, my dad. Like, what about Hiroki? And like he, he sort of sees that. He's sort of like, you know, what's the word? Like, he sort of like realizes what's happening. He sense like he has this joy from it. He has like this joy in the fact that he finally gets a partner Digimon, and then like yeah. he 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 becomes part of the digital world essentially. And I think like for him, like I think that's really good. It's it's honestly a bit better than he deserves, arguably considering like all the bad stuff he did. Like I'm, I love Oikawa as a character. You've heard me ranting about how great he is for the past two weeks. Um, I am not super into the trope of redeeming yourself via dying. I think it's kind of boring and cheap. Like, it's the easy way out, kind of. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I want to talk about this because I, I was just having a, a, a thought along the same lines. And it's that... It's the fact that he never gets... Although he kind of... Yeah, okay, whatever. He turns into, like, pixie dust and becomes part of the digital world at the end. But in terms of, like, him actually getting to step into there as a person and, like, you know you know, hold his part of Digimon or whatever, like, he didn't get that. And, like, he almost get they, they, they almost, like, taunts him with it, basically, like, here's your part of Digimon, and then he's like, you can just imagine him in his head just going, like, oh, what the hell, you know I'm dying. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Um, So it's almost like a, it's almost like a weird kind of slap in the face, almost. It, it seems almost cruel if you think about it. And then, yeah, okay, they kind of do the thing at the end where, yes, he, he becomes part of the universe, whatever. It's like, I'll always be with you in spirits, but... Which I don't really. Why they that would they literally say that he is the reason that like darkness is held back, and that feels a little too much to me. Like I kind of like what like they're going with of like, 
he becomes part of like what he sought to go after for so long. Yeah, um, but yeah, then it's just like can we can we talk about how funny it is? How like they're like yeah, he's the reason why darkness is held back. Mere minutes after they're dunking on Blackboard Raymon for being useless. Yeah, that like, that was the worst. They it's so funny. They just like freaking rip into him. It's like oh wow, he really ended up uh, screwing us over, didn't he? <laughs> Which is such, yeah, I, it's his, a, such a weird thing that bugged me because they wrote they wrote that part where they had Blackboard Raymon lock off the digital will like. Why even include that detail? Why not just have him like go out as like a, you know? Why not just have him die? Like I don't know. I feel like we've got two characters here who have died, and then they, their death has to like do something. Like either Blackwall Grayman has to like lock off the digital world, or Oikawa has to like you know become part of the life force of the digital world or whatever. It's like no, you can just die. Like you can just die. Like Malamotes man dies and <laughs> you know he's he, he doesn't even get like a I'll be back sort of thing. He just eats it. So I don't know. It's 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 very again, it's very saccharine to do that stuff where a character's death has to be like, you know, uh the bloody Shadow of the Hedgehog death scene or <laughs> whatever. This is my promise I made to you. This was for you, Hiroki. Um, this is my promise. <laughs> God, somebody said it photoshopped the Shadow of the Hedgehog hair onto Obikawa now. Please, well, the Obama one. <laughs> so, well, yeah, yeah, the Obama one. Um, so, well, while we're talking about Oikawa and his partner, um, did you both know that Deterimon is a result of a two-pronged contest? Uh, no. When you say, what does that mean? So, in Japan, they did a contest to design Deterimon, and in English, they did a contest to name Deterimon. Neither of these people knew each other; <laughs> they couldn't talk, so. That's, that's why it has a nonsense name and a very like generic cute design what is deterimon that's deterimon deterimon yeah and i i looked it up deteri is not a word it does not mean anything it is a nonsense word i mean so i just want i want you both to appreciate how much effort i put into this completely unimportant task um i had to do some real digging i had to go through some some old ytv interviews like ytv is canada's um cartoon network basically so Terry Lee O'Malley, the producer of the, the you know the English dub, um, was on YTV for an interview, and in that interview she talked about how the character was named in a contest and designed in a contest as well. Um, she does not say what the name means or you know anything like that. She just confirms that yes, it it was named by a contest winner, and that's the only online confirmation that we have of that because. Unlike in Japan, where the contest was published in magazines and was very publicized, the only mention that I can find is in this YouTube video of an interview from the year, like, 2000. So I, I think it must have been held on TV and you had to call in or something to do that, because otherwise, surely there'd be some kind of documentation of it otherwise. That's I wild. am, like, I am, I, you know, I'm, you know what honestly surprises me the most about that? Is that they had a, someone who actually worked on the Digimon show on TV for an interview. Like... I do, I, like, hey kids, coming up next, we've got the writer of the, we got the executive producer of the Digimon show. It's like, uh, it's, what's an executive producer? Like, I'm just, I'm just wondering. It's weird and it's really awkward. Like the entire interview, like YTV in general is like dollar store Cartoon Network in terms of like it's it's uh, programming and, and even like hosts. So like, it's the two hosts of of YTV awkwardly like making jokes about the show they obviously <laughs> don't watch and don't care about, and like, okay. At one point, like, um, when she talks about how the, um, the contest winner named it, 
uh, one of the hosts goes, oh, I'm, I'm just disappointed he didn't go with not my name. And then she asks, oh, what was your name? And he kind of has to, like, think for a second. Because he didn't have, like, an answer to this. He was just making a dumb joke. What's his name? <laughs> he, he just says his name and then Mon at the end. But it takes him, like, five seconds to think of that. Oh god, it's, it's, we have to we have to find that. I, I can I can get I can show you it right now if you want. I can send that to you we this put, second. Well, let, let, let's post let's post it on the Twitter because I feel like that will be <laughs> useful uh, for people to see as like a bit of trivia, um, especially since we've mentioned it on the show now. Um, and, uh, I, that, but that, yeah, so like that's, that just shocked me. Please appreciate my research because it's been way too long to find that out. That's I cool always as appreciate hell. your research. I appreciate this even more. I dug, I dug through fan forums trying to find a source of it, because, like, there were people talking about it on the With the Will forum, but they didn't know, no one linked a source <laughs> for that, like, oh, it was named in the contest thing. Gotta um, cite your sources, people. Yeah. So, like, I have, I have actually, like, I, I put a hyperlink in the Digimon Wiki to this interview just so that, like, I don't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's pretty good. I have, I have evolved into one of those people who edits wikis now just because I couldn't, I couldn't bear to have this rumor unsubstantiated in this. Okay, well. I'm, I'm really proud of you. Yes. Your professors would be proud. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my spiel. I'm just imagining this as like I don't know if you've ever seen the like PlayStation Underground like demo discs and stuff, but they'll have like interviews from like back in the nineties. They give away these like demo like CDs with like PlayStation magazine or whatever, and they'd be like Sony produced. So you'd have like demos and stuff, obviously, but you'd have like these preview videos or whatever, and you'd have like this really excited, like, 90s, cool, yeah, uh, like, host uh, talking over the footage of, like, you know, Dave Mirror BMX or whatever, um, and <laughs> you'd have, like, the producer going, yes, yeah, so we, we, we really just wanted to make this game, like, really uh, feel really energetic. Wow, this game's looking awesome! We can't <laughs> wait to play more! It just, I just feel like this whole segment probably just has that kind of energy. <laughs> it has very similar energy, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. Really Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, also, please excuse my like wow, cool guy voice because I, I enjoy doing it a bit too, way too much. So <laughs> just please tell me if it's too much. Um, yeah, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> I've lost, lost a train of thought entirely now. The Tyrimon. Um, yeah, this this whole segment just felt cr- kind of cruel <laughs> for Oikawa. That's that was kind of my train of thought. Yeah, I I am I'm really happy that they finally had closure with him and Cody. Like Cody being the one to remember him and go back and help him is a good capper to yes. his character arc. I feel because yeah, his oh, entire completely. character arc has been about being extremely like righteous to the point where he holds very serious grudges against people. So the fact that he's willing to take the person who literally caused every problem he said he did deal with in the past year. The guy who, you know, used to be his dad's best friend slash potential lover and, um, you know, helped him achieve his dream despite everything he did to them is just so yeah, it's powerful cool. and sweet to me. That's really it's... good. Yeah, it kind of plays upon the whole fact that he's had to go through the, he's had to like, A, get over Ken being like actually an okay person. Like he's had to get over the whole killing Digimon thing. Black you know, or Greymon basically... was a big thing too of how he was like so intent on like trying to believe in him, but then kind of like floundering back and forth between like no, like I think there's like you're good, but also being like no, like he might actually just be evil, and there's nothing I can do about that type of thing. Yeah, he's he's had to he's had to like he's he's had he's been sort of thrown around a lot when it comes to his like what he believes his principles should be and whatever, and I feel like he's had. You know, proper character growth here. Like, I feel like Davis, for example, who gets a big showing here as being like the one to sort of 
you know, head em- head empty his way into making the like Doom Doomazoomers <laughs> believe that they're you know they ha- they understand their dreams and so on. But like again, there's no growth here for Davis. Like he hasn't he hasn't really overcome any hurdles per se. The only hurdles he's overcome are like the literal ones, like like Malomaitismon or so on. So it feels more like it's consistent with his character. Yeah, he's not he's not like getting character assassinated at the end and. Or anything like that, but he—it's less remarkable than Cody, who, again, I was talking about Oikawa getting like sort of his his character loop is closed essentially here. Cody feels like the closest; he feels like the one of the Digidestins who comes the closest to having that same thing happen for him. Yeah, everyone else is kind of like I guess Ken. Kind of like he—he he got his closure a few like last episode when he finally learned to forgive himself, but like sure. in a, in a more major like action-oriented yeah. way. Yes, Cody is the one who actually shows his development instead of just talking about yeah. it. And I think I think Ken also had the moment with the... Uh, I, think, I think it's important to remember the moment where uh, Ken sends Daimon to, like, the Dark Ocean, basically. I feel like that was such a good scene for him, just because it shows him, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure taking charge is the right word, but, like, he has to put it all... He has to put all of himself behind... Behind, you know, his... His uh, he has to basically completely wipe away or get past his self doubt, like to make that happen. So now, after looking back on this show, that's probably one of my favorite moments, just just because again, it's such a good character moment. And I feel like Cody's here with Oikawa and dragging, trying to drag him. Frankly, just remembering he's lying there, face down on the floor, he's like, he's such a great Cody moment. So I'm I'm really happy that scene was included because honestly, before that, I was kind of. I was kind of watching this episode with my eyes kind of glazed over a little bit because it's just so, it's just so, just, just there. Not really. Yeah. Like you mentioned slightest. way back at the start of uh, this discussion that it feels like a Disney kind of yeah. resolution. And it, yeah, it, it's very Peter Pan-esque where like, you know, everyone in the world just clapping their hands and saying they believe in fairies. Like, that's exactly what this feels like. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's using all these, parts that they've had to play with and like fashioning an ending from that um but like when the when 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 what you've got is like all these people around the world and you know they believe in digimon and stuff it's like yeah you're gonna get an ending like this which is very sort of like just you know everyone foul friendship that kind of thing it's it's fairly like i know this is a kid's show but (laughs) i have my limits (laughs) when it comes when it comes to this sort of thing yeah it's it just it, yeah, it feels like it's it's trying your like I I never felt like the rest of the series talked down to kids like it, it covered issues and ideas that are relevant to kids, but it never felt condescending. This this resolution did feel a little bit condescending at times. I'm not I'm not sure I'd go that far personally, but like yeah, I I, I can sort of see where you're coming from there. It's, it's like it's very I I, I, don't, I won't call it condescending just because I feel like it's got nothing to like condescend about. I don't think it's that like. I don't think it's beating over the head with, like, a serious theme other than just, like, we're friends or whatever, which I don't think, feel is consist- is um, meaty enough to get that same feeling. I guess I've, but, like, I feel like so, it's like... condescending in that, like, it it takes a lot of screen time. Like, almost five minutes of, of this episode is just characters telling them, you don't need a Digimon to be special, and then they get one anyway. Yeah, like, that, it, it's just such a, like, a... That's my problem, is that I don't think... I don't Okay, one... I just think it's kind of boring to start with, and then two, when you get to the moment where Davis is talking about, oh, you know, you can you can 
still live a great life, which I like that message, by the way. Yeah. I think it's great. And I really also like that Davis's dream is so, like, humble. Yeah. It's really nice. I have issues with that. We are, we, yeah. I, 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 we'll talk about that, the epilogue part of that. But I do like the fact that it's so, like, humble and work, he, working man. You know, it's not like, I want to become a millionaire or whatever, or a cool race car driver or whatever. It's like, because you just know they were thinking of something like that originally before they settled on. Nah, he he wouldn't yeah. do that. So that's cool. But then they then they give them Digimon. Why don't they give them Digimon? You've just made a point about why that it's, doesn't it's, like they don't need Digimon. I will point out that this is an issue created by the dub. Because the message in the sub isn't, you can be special even without Digimon. It's, you you have to put an effort and, like, you know, believe in yourself in order to make, like, your dreams come true. Which is why the kids start by believing that they have Digimon, which is why they get them. Like, TK even says, if you believe in it hard enough, it'll make it real. Uh, okay. So like it's it's not it's it's a less complicated message than you know you you can be happy and successful without being exceptional but yeah. at the very least it's internally consistent like it doesn't contradict itself fair enough so the kids aren't in the sort the kids are never like doomizumers are never dooming no, about they, not having Digimon the funniest thing is they they they're even more doomizumers in the in the, the, the sub because what they're saying isn't oh this is all our fault what they're saying instead is. It doesn't. It doesn't matter that we did this because anyone would have did this. We just happened to be the ones that he picked. <laughs> like, it's like next level. Like, this was an inevitability. We we hold no personal responsibility because you know we're okay, just cogs in the machine, man. We live in a society. Baby nihilists out here. Yeah. Oh my god. It's, it's really overwrought in a funny, in a very funny way. And it made me laugh out loud. Um, but they 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 do talk about not having not having the joint partner. So I'm just gonna read out the exact dialogue that they say in the sub. If that's okay with both of you, yeah, no, no, no go, go for, for it. it. Yeah. So, um, when they're all whinging about not having partners, Daisuke says, "So what if you don't have partners? What's the big deal? What's the big deal about being you know one of the chosen children? Uh, it just it's random chance. There's nothing special at all about me, and I was chosen. And then one of the kids says, "That's not true. You have a partner." And then. Uh, he says, if you want to, if you want a partner, you have to believe that you'll have one. Uh, it's like feelings. Every single child has the power to make their dreams come true. Uh, but sometimes it makes you feel better if you don't. And then someone says, well, that's a very childish notion. And then Daisuke says, well, you have, you, surely you have some kind of dreams for the future, don't you? And then they say, oh, not really. And one of, them other, one of the other ones says, I've, I've kind of forgotten about that. And then Daisuke says, you don't have to be ashamed of having hopes and dreams. And that's where, like, they start, you know, announcing what they want to do and whatever. And then, and then the Undertale music kicks in. I was, I yeah. made that joke in my notes too. Good job, Tom. We're really on that same wavelength today. Do, do, do. Do, do. We're gonna get Toby Fox so is gonna sue us. So it's it's more, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's it's more of a less of a you know you, you don't you don't have to have a partner to be special and more you have to make that happen yourself. Like you can't complain about not having it if you're not doing anything to change it. I think, yeah, both those combined sure. is a really good message. Like, both, like, you can't, like, work, strive to work for what you want, and also you do not need to be, like, a chosen children, a chosen child, a uh, Digidestin, to be yeah. special, yeah, because, like, there's, like, there's that meaning of, like, your life has inherent meaning, which is also, like, a very good message, but, yeah. like, it does get sort of muddied up in, like, everything else around this episode. And they... They, I think what helps it in the sub is that they do make the distinction that all these kids and everyone else in the world who gets their partners after this are not quote-unquote chosen children. They, they just happen to, their wish was for everyone to have Digimon. So yeah. 
It's not that they are, you know, suddenly special. They're just enacting communism and giving everyone... <laughs> everyone in the <laughs> special luxury ones. gay space communism <laughs> featuring Digimon. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, it's a syndrome style. Do. When everyone's chosen, no one will be. <laughs> oh god, no! <laughs> except, except... That's not, except it's not the villain saying it. So this is no, this I, is mar- I know markedly better, markedly better than that. <laughs> I just couldn't, I just couldn't resist making that joke. You put <laughs> evil eyebrows the... onto Tyrion, and he says that like in a really like like deep voice. All of a sudden, the first time someone pointed out to me that like the Incredibles is just like Randy and crap. It's just like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, like, I'm just like I was just like, oh no. <laughs> Brad Brad Bird is a libertarian, but I. At the very least, like the the story is the villain who's who's libertarian in the Incredibles. I still like that film a lot, but yeah, maybe not for thematic reasons. <laughs> like it's mainly, it's mainly just because it's it it's cool. It's just cool. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, like to Brad Bird's credit, he, he has he has softened on his views over the years. And the Incredibles two, <laughs> even though it's not a great movie, walks it back quite a bit. I like the Incredibles two. Oh, it's kind of gay like it too. So it's, like it's, you got a vibe with that. It's it's an all right movie, but I, at the very least, it, does, it has the overall message of you, you like you know exceptionalism does not exist. Anyone can be exceptional. It's yeah. a good message. I might even need to it's rewatch that film. So yeah, but like I, I I remember enjoying it. I remember just thinking it was it was really slick, which was what the first one was, and I just wanted more like that. And the screensaver guy was creepy as hell. So anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> back to the I, back I, to the I, I want to say though, um. I do like that shot though, like uh, of all like the the digidescent around the world, like coming like flying down. That's like just it looks really neat. Like I think that's just kind of like a cool like thing, just to have like oh, all these it's... people like flying. It's cool. It's cool like thematically and like aesthetically. Like I can vibe with it. During during that it's point goofy. in the sub, it's playing um, an image Hopes song. Dreams, save the world. You're right. <laughs> you know, it's it's playing an image song called. Um, Coincidentally called Let's All Go to the Digital World. <laughs> oh no. Um Oh he called his hit single. By yeah, it's by I'm uh I'm Maeda, who is um you know Mimi's voice, voice actor. Um and it's it's very good. The the dub oh sorry, the sub also gets a butterfly in the epilogue, so they just kinda school us in music in this episode overall. I think all we get is like the Omnimon music really, but like they've been using that so much that like the song has no meaning anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I really um I really think that seems really goofy. I don't think it makes any sense, but also anything involving the Digivices and any power they have beyond like um powering up Digimon has always been kind of a complete asshole ever since like the first show. Yeah. So I'd, I'm I'm kind of okay with that at this point. Speaking of assholes, thank you for the amazing segue, Tom. Um, oh no. A friggin' Jedi coming in with the Holy Ring after everything's done, just be like, hey everyone. <laughs> We saw it destroyed in the first episode. We literally saw it crushed under a Unimon's hoof. How does he have Gatomon's holy ring? And then he's How? like, oh, by the way, this was this was in the secret base, uh, Ken's secret base, and it was what let you DNA Digivolve. It's like, bull crap. That's not what happened at all. Is that? Please tell me that's not in the sub. Please. It, uh, 100% is in the sub. I don't I'm care mad. about Gatomon's stupid freaking tail ring. I don't also, care. Did they you both they had an that opportunity when... to make that meaningful, and they didn't. They keep messing it up, so I just don't care at this point. Did you? Did you both see? Did you both notice how? Um, uh, and Jedi and his final appearance in Zero Two is voiced by Steve Bloom and not Jeff Nimoy. I yeah, I noticed that. that. I was. I I noticed. That. I'm like, that is not Jedi. 
I I feel uh, I feel like that was like a, a a spite decision. Like he re- he saw those lines and he was like, nah, because he's still ten to one in this episode. He was still in the recording booth doing lines. Okay, but Tenomon's line was I feel really like, yeah, I feel good. Like he saw the lines they had to say and was just like, nah, someone else is doing that. Tentomon saying, yeah, you think you can bully us, we'll put up your dukes, was the funniest thing, and it made me, like, <laughs> remember how much I love Tentomon. Tentomon, Tentomon is great. Uh, again, much like Izzy is the best, like, original to suggest, and, um, sorry. Um, sorry. okay, sweaty. <laughs> okay, oh. Henny. Okay, alright. Sweaty, all it's, right. like saying, it's like saying right. sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I've just never had someone say it out loud to me, and I'm just like, wait, what? Oh, right, yeah. Like, I'm no, pretty no, sure no. I've said that to someone like on this podcast I mean, before, yeah, probably a character, you, but if you were gonna say it, if you're gonna, yeah, okay, that's fair. If you're gonna say it to either one of us, it would definitely be me. But there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, Izzy, Izzy, the best character in in of adventure. Um, in the similar okay, sweaty. Um, <laughs> Izzy's, Izzy's best moment was just cursing out um Lockmore Greymon. That was so funny to me. <laughs> so, he's he's the, that freaking idiot, that stupid moron is screwing us all this. over. <laughs> and also I, Sora uh, being like weirdly yeah. doomer. She's like, I, I don't yeah, think we Sora can save this child. Like I think Sora, just generally speaking, is a bummer, but like the her, this is her actually in character being a bummer rather than just her conceptually being a bummer. So it was just like Ugh, well wait, why are you being so gloomy? And then uh I, don't know. I thought I did think it was really cool that they went back to the original campsite. I thought that was really yeah. I that was that was a neat yeah, touch. That was, that was like in in, uh, in Metal Gear Solid Five when they go back to Shadow Moses or Metal Gear Solid Four when they go back to Shadow Moses. It was like ooh, this this place that used to be so full of life and uh, and meaning is now uh, empty and dark. Uh, sure, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they did go there literally now, because so. Malo Mirosman took away all the lights <laughs> in the world. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I forgot. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's not nighttime. It's just darkness. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that, and I like that ultimately, like, the original Digidestin kids didn't get too involved, because I think, I feel like if there's a criticism I'll make of the show, and we'll probably get more into this in, like, where we do our retrospective, uh, next episode, or? Next, next, next week. Next week, that's right. So, uh, I'll get more into it then, but, like, I feel like if there's one criticism I'll make of the show, it's that the original kids are way too involved. Um, and and not really in the right ways. So if they'd had an ending here, which was like mainly more contingent on them than the than the Digestion O2 kids, which could have easily happened, uh, I would have been kind of annoyed. But uh, as it is, I've got faults with this episode, and this isn't one of them. <laughs> that isn't one of them. So at least there's that. You know, they they are they are background characters for the most part, which is which is yeah. fine by me. Yeah, it's the the focus should be, I mean the epilogue uh disregarding that the focus should be on the the new uh Digidestin and I think yeah for better or worse they succeed in that. When I Literally. say for better or worse yeah. I mean like considering the episode as a whole not as in like they don't or do do a good job cuz like it is focused on them. But episode 50 is just uh it's a non-episode. Yeah, it, it, it... If there's anyone it focuses on, it's really a Davis kind of. Uh, but honestly, it's more just due to like number of speaking lines. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then and then and then B uh, Oikawa. So and then uh, and then C Cody. Choice. Yeah, and then Cody's there as well. But yeah, he's Yoli, yeah, Ken, TK, and Kari might as well be lawn ornaments. <laughs> Yoli, Yoli is dead as far as I'm concerned. Like, there's no she's a, she's a non-presence in this episode. 
Um, oh, God. Uh, TK and Kari as well are just, like, so not important at this point. So it's a real shame, but... It, it is a big shame, yeah. I don't, I don't understand why they made the, the decisions they did in this episode. I guess I guess the one thing I'll take away from this is that Ken probably should have been way more involved, because this is his show. Like, Digimon Adventure 02 from beginning to mostly the end has been about him and his character development and so on. And it's a shame that he kind of gets pushed to the background in this episode. You know, they do obviously make reference like, to, like... He doesn't, his... like, say, like, what he wants to, like, what his dream is or anything, does he? Because, like, that no. could have been, like, a thing of, like, he does it, like, last, and it just, like, destroys Malomidoswan because, like, that's sort of, like, the last... Like, that could have been, like, the last thing standing in the way, like, the original Dark Spore, the the guy, yeah. like, him him even more getting over it, like he did uh, in the Dark Gate episode, but this could be, like, a, like one step further. So... Yeah. Missed opportunity, sort of. Yeah, but, well... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The whole thing kind of... Again, I, I know they were probably just rushing and so on, but, like, given more thought about what this could have been, it's it's a, it's a grand shame that this this is kind of what we ended up with, which by, was by no, no means, like, terrible. It's just so underwhelming that, like... <laughs> but at least, you know, I'm not... But also, not even remotely surprising, to be honest, that this is what we got. Like, not not just because we've watched this before and, like have memories of it being kind of rubbish and that's before we get to the that's before we get to the epilogue um we you know we've watched this whole thing through and it, you know, in my case it's been like getting on for a decade since i last watched o2 in fall and um i'm obviously watching it as a you know different person and like i like to think i'm more media literate and so on and it's 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 i appreciate the show in different ways now uh, and also i will gladly criticize it in different ways as well and this being as underwhelming as it has been doesn't feel like it's me just like confirming my suspicions or what i remember it feels like no this is just definitely not not what was what was maybe hoping for even despite the fact that the show was kind of lost already at this point (laughs) so um yeah anyway that's kind of rambling about this should we move on then do we have anything else to say about the episode itself or um, no, I think I'm I'm pretty tapped out. We talked about uh Oikawa and his send off. We talked about um you know, the differences between the sub and dub that are relevant, so I'm I'm all good to go. Yeah. I kinda uh, wanna mention so one then... thing that one one thing that made me laugh um is uh Kari's, go for it. Kari's dream uh yeah. of wanting to become a teacher, which will be really funny for for um no, I won't be like, Oh well, well you will see well that's funny soon. I'll just I'll just say it. Um she Obviously voiced by, um, I always forget her name, it's like Laura Miller or something. Laura Jill Miller. La- La- Laura Jill Miller. Yeah, and she voices the, uh, she voices uh, Takato, uh, Takato's teacher in Digimon Tamers. Which, she uh, sure yeah, does. I think that's, that's, like, that's so, like a little, little cute like wink and nod, I feel like. They must have cast her already when they were recording this episode. Yeah, so like, I the, feel the, like first, the first like handful of episodes from Tamers were already in the bag by this point. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Is she, does she want to be? Oh no, she must want to become a teacher in the in the sub too, because there's the there's the scenes right where. I mean, she she doesn't get a scene, but yes, there is. <laughs> uh, what does she not get? Does she? She's the only scene? one. No, she doesn't. She's the only one who wow. doesn't get a scene. <laughs> okay, let's get let's get to it. Okay, so um. Okay, so uh, are you all good if I cover like what the epilogue sort of like what everyone gets type of thing? Should we? Let's yeah, let's let's take a quick break first.
Okay, we'll take a quick break and okay. then we'll uh we'll run down this epilogue then. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Seven young kids go to camp for the summer Wind up living in a digital land Where everybody gets to meet his own Digimonster A digital companion, a digital friend A Digimon in training with Digivolt to Rookie And Digivolt to Chevy and an Ultimate 2 Gonna save the digital world for me Gonna save the digital world for you Hey Digimon, hey Digimon Monster friends to the boys and girls And we're back. We are here to cover the epilogue part of episode 50 now. We're going to run down each character, but we're going to like sort of talk about them a little bit. So we're not just doing like one big sort of info dump. Before we get started, um, let's just talk about the, the framing device that I alluded to earlier and what it's uh, a reference to. So it's um, we start this epilogue with um, an adult TK narrating a novel that uh, he's writing about his experiences with all the rest of his friends in the digital world and whatever. Um, this is like a kind of like a curio in the dub in the sub. This is a massive earth shaking reveal though. Do you know why that is? TK knows how to write. <laughs> Aside from that. Yes. It's, it's very heartening. Cause I don't think he's ever demonstrated. That <laughs> oh, before. Uh, uh, let me, is it because like, is TK like has like older TK been the narrator all along? That's exactly it. He has been yeah. the narrator since day one of adventure. <laughs> wait, okay, oh, that's such wait. a goofy reveal. Since adventure? Since adventure. Okay, that's I, narrator, I dig that then. The narrator from adventure, the episode one of adventure, up all the way up to the end of Zero Two, has been adult TK narrating um his his time in the digital world with his friends and whatever. That's and actually really good. Not only that, but every Digimon analyzer screens, like the little one that says information, was also narrated by him, and it's implied those are like footnotes that he puts in about every new species he describes. Oh, that's so cool! I I actually dig that. Then that okay. Can I just say uh, when it when it when it cut from like the kids crying over Okai's death to like to like TK being like, it's twenty five years later and I've become a, no- a novelist and I I just had to pause it because I was just cracking up laughing. I knew the epilogue <laughs> was coming. I didn't realize that's how we'd segue into it. So I just like having this goofy ass looking like adult TK. Oh my god! Such like, a dorko. Also, they um, also he, they, I like how they predicted they have, like, hologram computers and hologram doors. Like, God, I wish. <laughs> Five years' time. Oh, oh, six years' time from from this, I believe. Like, yeah, yeah 2002. This, this is, so, two, 2027? 2025. Uh, 27. Oh, is it, is it 27? Okay, I thought it was 2025. Okay, so... No, the reason it's called Zero Two is because it takes place in 2002. That's right. Okay, so I'm, I'm just not smart at all. Okay, let's continue. No, it's okay. That's... I, I have to remind myself a lot as well because there's no other indication that um, Zero Two takes place in 2002 aside from like the very opening narration. Okay, I'm thinking about it of like taking place in 2000 for whatever reason because like that's like the airing time like here, and I keep I keep forgetting. So I'm just used to it being 2025 or calling it 2025 when yeah. Okay, anyways, moving on. Anyway, yeah. So um, the framing device of the main character being a novelist narrating a novel that they're writing about their childhood experiences with their friends and additionally ending with narrating the futures and fates of their friends is directly taken from the 1980s movie Stand By Me uh-huh. based on the Stephen King story The Body. Oh, I didn't know that was what it was based on, but okay. It, 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 it ends identically. It also ends with the main character 
uh, like you know, it flashing forward to the main character typing out the words that he's speaking. Like the, the narrator being revealed as the main character typing out the words that he's speaking, uh, and then talking about what happened to each of his friends after uh, they parted ways that summer. So those two things made me think that like, like this movie was very popular in Japan to the point where. Um, like in the, the original Pokemon game, if you check the TV in your bedroom when you first start the game, yeah. that's the movie that's playing on there. Uh huh. They have they have the song "Stand by Me." Um, wait, no, hold on. Am I am I getting this right? Uh, the song "Stand by Me" is used in Final Fantasy Fifteen, isn't it? Yeah, which is also about a road trip of uh, a bunch of friends, uh, you know, going off together right. and bonding. So it's perfect, excellent. It's yeah. It, it, the movie was extremely influential in Japan and Japanese media in general. Um, so. To see it so obliquely referenced is, is is pretty cool. I think it's it's a neat um yeah, little that's Easter not bad. egg. Yeah. That's neat. And that is the last positive thing I will say about this epilogue. So uh, okay, actually can I go on to another piece of trivia that I uh, I recently found out before we cover the it. So I found this out from a Tumblr user, uh I'm gonna get this wrong, Shiha Lifey, uh S H I H L S H I H A L Y F I e.tumblr.com they have done or she has done a lot of like meta posts and like theory posts analyses on like the the series and characters and the like and honestly like for any like person who is like me like wants to learn more about this i highly recommend checking her stuff out uh she has done very great work so uh an interesting thing i learned is that so you all remember last uh, series how we had the ending with the with the train car and like the, all the kids like waving and like crying goodbye. Yeah. Yes. So the only reason this ending exists is because uh, zero two happened. Interesting. Why is that? So the apparently the zero two epilogue was decided on before recording for adventure had started. Like before, oh. like before it started, like they they like as you said like the detail about uh this the series being adult uh TK's novel uh all of that like that was all decided on before 02 was even in the picture so if it wasn't for the fact that they they got the second uh series order that like some form of that epilogue would have been our ending and we wouldn't have had like easily one of the most iconic moments in Digimon history that's actually really okay, interesting okay so what you're saying that. is the, this epilogue was originally intended for Adventure 1. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was essentially Adventure's ending, as I'm going to quote, was only ever intended as an ending for a single chapter in the overall Adventure series narrative. Got it. So, like, everything that sort of came after that, like, sort of like, you know, like, Yoli being referenced, like, in, like, our war game, like, that, all of that is just because we had Zero Two, obviously, and were it not for Zero Two, like... We would not. We would have had an epilogue like that, as opposed to uh, one of the most famous endings in Digimon, or the I would say the most famous ending in Digimon history. Yeah, that's 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 cool. Which is, I think, that's just really fascinating. Yeah, I didn't it's know that at all. Um, the epilogue would have been. Yeah, I'm. I'm much. I'm glad we got that advent- that ending for adventure because um, as as much as this epilogue kind of annoys me and stuff, um, I'm glad it's on the end of O2, which is a series I have far less affection for than than the original <laughs> Digimon Adventure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that is the a... last positive thing we will say about the Adventure Zero Two epilogue. Let's get into oh, it. Well, well, let's well let's see. Yeah, so let's run down the list. So TK is writing his novel. Yeah, TK is a novelist. Uh, I think they sort of like allude to that in like later stuff. But, like, we have, like, no idea that he likes writing at all, like, 
before this, so it feels kind of out of left field. I mean, the the, the Zero Two does open with him um, writing about his experiences, right? And that's why he's the first one to be introduced. I have, I don't remember. I thought it was, I don't know. Like that was, that was like five billion years ago, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Try, try does try to. I forget they just start with TK because he's a familiar character. Like I, I, that's fair, yeah. and like yeah. he he just moved to the area type of thing, so yeah, that that too. Although that ends up being absolutely completely irrelevant to anything. <laughs> so yeah, um, try one of the things that try does and to poor effect, like it still comes across as very goofy, is try to wrap in all of the seemingly out of nowhere career choices from uh, the epilogue into the narrative. So they have TK oh, no. doing more writing and uh, like you know, short stories and poetry and whatever, and it's it's just very goofy. Uh, that sucks. Can't wait for Try. You you absolutely can wait. <laughs> okay. Uh, time. I do like time. the L.E.K. Um, like, connection. That, like, they sort of, like, go back to that in L.E.K. Like, we won't get into that too much, but for, like, Ty, I think that's a really neat thing. Yeah, so what's Ty, what's Ty doing? So Ty is a diplomat in terms of like relations to the digital world and the human world. Now the digital world is something known by literally everyone and everyone has a partner. So him and Agumon are diplomats and Ty has finally cut his hair. And <laughs> Agumon's in a suit. <laughs> Agumon in a suit is so good. So spiffy. This is, this is just made me wonder, like do, do all of the rest of the, the ambassadors or the, the diplomats also have to wear suits? Cause I want to see like, Machine Dramon, representative of the, uh, you know, the Machine City uh, area of the digital world. Just wearing like a gigantic suit. suit and tie. I love that. That's, I hope so. I actually kind of like this for Ty. Like, it feels like, thinking at first, you're just kind of like, huh? Like, that doesn't make sense. But then you think about it, and it feels, like, really fitting, I feel like. Like, that is sort of, like, what he would do. Like, he's kind of like that leader. Like, he sort of goes into things to solve problems. I think that works. I don't yeah. at all. He's such a, like, he's not a slacker, but like, you know, he's not that kind of leader, though. He's kind of like a, he's he's kind of got the, you know, the go up, oh, what's the phrase? Like, he, he's got the motivation, he's got the drive to, like, be a leader in he's situations gung-ho. where it calls, it yeah, like, gung-ho, whatever. I don't necessarily think that's the same qualities that you get, get uh, a diplomatic job with like that's I mean this is see about... but that's that's the problem here is that you can excuse basically any of these by saying people can change a lot in 25 years yeah yeah there's nothing that we've seen from time you know what's cool about the end okay so minor spoilers here for the ending of L.E.K. but like they they do sort of get into the way of like okay here's how Ty ended up getting into a diplomatic role in the future like they, yeah, they set his, it up his, quite nicely his, his like and, his thesis or whatever but that's not that's not that doesn't like redeem this choice in retrospect. I'm not I'm not even saying that it's irredeemable or terrible or anything. It just there's just nothing to suggest, in my opinion. There's nothing to suggest that time would end up with this kind of role. It just seems like a lot. And we'll get into this with the immediate next character that we see here. But like a lot of these roles that the kids fall into just seem like um, fanciful, you know. Oh, and that, maybe that's a bit strong for bloody diplomatic role or whatever but you know they they just seem like obviously they can't just have Ty becoming a salary man because that would be that would suck. Or depressing or even even though 
realistically, that's exactly what he'd end up doing. That's what his dad does. So, you know. Yeah, it, that's one of one of the biggest complaints I have with this epilogue, and the thing that actually so frustrates me to this day is they have this weird obsession with making every character exceptional. Like, they're all world famous. They're all like the best in their field. Except Kari. We'll except get to Kari. that, but except Kari. And Yoli, and Yoli. But, um, yeah, like, it it really bothers me because it, it, it kind of sends, like, the message that, like, oh, you know, they spend the entire episode talking about how you have to make your dreams come true and that, you know, you're, you, you can be special without being a chosen one or whatever. And they all just happen to win, like, you know, these amazing positions uh, that are world famous and renowned and loved by everyone. And that, that just kind of feels cheap to me. We'll get oh, to what totally. happens to Davis, but it especially bugs me with Davis. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. I wouldn't say that's the case for every, every single person here, and and for good or for better, or in, in a few cases here for worse. Uh, but yeah, that's that's definitely the case. I mean, the next one is that Matt becomes an astronaut. So, what the hell is that about? Like, why Godmon he... in a spacesuit. Do you think NASA had especially okay. make Digimon spacesuits? Did Judging by how his horn is protruding? No, I think they just had one size fits all and told him to figure it out. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's that, that is. It's stupid. I hate that. And it's is like, that... oh, they just had to go to the moon, but they went to like that's not how it worked. You would not have enough fuel to just go to Mars. You can't just overshoot to that's, Mars. That's definitely <laughs> a dope addition. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, it's, like... it's it's it's. Matt being an astronaut is dumb and stupid, and I hate it. It makes no sense. Why is he an astronaut? So the the Matt structure, the, the the way that the, the sub structures this this scene is, you have adult TK narrating their position, and then each of the characters individually says like one or two lines that, according to the research I, I found, were improvised by the voice actors in the booth. So like the wow. Matt voice actor was like, I don't know why I'm here. What's going on? <laughs> I'm in I space. They're, they're pretty generic. It's just like, yeah, we made it, or like we did it. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um. So TK TK's reading off these lists of uh th- th- this list of like what all of his like friends and so on are up to. Mm-hmm. Um, why does he say what? Why does he put Ty before Matt? Who is Ty's the main character? Ty's the main character. Ty's the main character of the story. <laughs> all these years later, even as an adult, TK looks back at Ty and goes, "Yeah, he's a better big brother." <laughs> I just imagine Matt, re- Matt reading this and just being like, wait, why did you say Ty's stuff before me? And he's like, well, you know. And he's Matt's like, yeah, reading, okay, like, just... he's like, you even put Cody before me? What's going on, man? You gotta fix this. I thought, I thought, wait, hold on. I thought Matt was next. No, I'm making Matt... a joke. Cody did not come before it. I'm just oh, saying, okay, like, right. but I still, the joke I would be like, Matt, Matt to TK is, like, so out of left field and important that, like, he just puts his brother at the end and, like, Matt... Read his draft and was like, "You gotta no. change this right now, little bro, or you were gonna just swirly." If Matt was at the end, that'd be better. You know, you can you can even be first, or you can be at the end. Those are the those are the positions. Yeah, he's like, important. and my bit, finally, my big brother is an astronaut. <laughs> I guess it'd be so yeah. funny if they just skipped characters. They're like, "Oh, you know, join the entire gang on their adventure." Little Ty, little Matt, little Cody, Yolay, and Yolay. the rest. TK just out of spite skips Davis. <laughs> That Davis would be good. died tragically in a noodle cart accident <laughs> at the age of twenty. Um, yeah, I don't know. God, that would have anyway, been can so. Continue. What's the next one? So, Asora is a fashion designer, a world famous fashion designer, and married to Matt. They have two kids. Girl, get married, have kids, have have girly job. 
This yeah, is like the thing theme. is, I, is I feel like I can't complain about her being a fashion designer because like we don't know enough about Sora in Zero Two at all <laughs> to like know like which you like what, yeah. like which you want to be in sports still it's, like it's legit like that always telling lies like that sounds like bullcrap I don't know enough about Sora to dispute it. <laughs> That's really what it is. Like, I can't say, like, that doesn't feel... I can't say, well, Sora should be in sports, because should she? I don't know. No one knows. Hey, we, okay, so there is there is a thing here where every single one of these characters, I can tell you exactly what they actually would be doing. Ty is a salary man. Definitely, 100%. Matt would either be a salary man as well, or he'd be in a rock band and then, like, working... No, Matt would be, like, as, a, as, like as a, a wannabe bartender. Chris Pine struggling actor. No, no, he, yeah, he would either be full-time rock band uh, guitarist. He, he would have made it big. Because he seems like, at least in this show... No, he didn't see, play he guitar. Has... He played bass. Whatever. Learn the um, lore. He, he has a... He has a, <laughs> um, he has a decent level of success already. So I'm assuming he could actually go places. Or, you know, he could play part-time and then and then work in a bar. You know, that's his sort of... Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I can I'm, see I'm that. Crossing out, I'm crossing out the salary man thing. So I, I'll, I'll pitch him for what, what I think each person would actually be doing as we go. So okay. Of, so she what's taking what over Sora do? So, so, so yeah. takes over the family business. Yeah, that's 100%. literally yeah. like what they hint at in future feels, in all sorts of future yes. media. It feels so weird that in, in multiple stories, including you know the most recent movie, they say her mom tells her you have to inherit this this dying art for me because no one else will be able to carry it on. And then this okay. episode was like, nah, she just skipped all that. So I will say <laughs> when we eventually get back to Lek in like three years. There is, uh, again, from this one Tumblr that, like, I had, I've learned, like, I've read a lot, like, analyses of characters and, like, meta, like, theories and stuff like that. There is something that, like, sort of makes it interesting that, like, this happens. But it's still, like, it's still very tenuous. Like, yeah, the fact that she's just, like, an Ikebana artist is, like, just baffling in every way. I will yeah, say... It's not even, like... I, sub- I would say that the fact the fact that Sora takes over the family business is kind of like depressing and so on. And honestly, I think I think Lek also does a good, good job of like like hammering that home. That no, this actually kind of sucks. Sora's a depressed Sora, millennial, also, just like all of us. Hers, Relatable. Here's what here's what she's left with um, because you know we didn't make a character for her all those years ago. And it, that's the reality, though. That's what she would end up doing based on everything we've seen of her in this show. So. Yeah, this this yeah, I I is, do is... I do want to point out the sub does explicitly say that she's a fashion designer who specializes in traditional Japanese clothing, so she still is carrying on like a dying art in some way. It's just a I like different it. Okay, one. that's that's slightly that... better, but still, you can see the individuals. They're like you know the visuals make that apparent anyway in the in the um, in the even in the dub version. But yeah, that's that's that ties it in a little bit more, but also not really. So you know. Again, family business, okay. uh, flower stuff. Yeah. Who's so next, next up, we have um, Izzy. As expected, uh, he uh, is helping doing, like, he's researching the digital world with Joe's older brother and uh, with Sora's dad. So, like, that sort of connection that they that we saw some episodes back. Like, they're, they're doing that. Which, yeah, you know what, that's, yeah, Makes sense. I actually kind of, I actually really like uh, Izzy's because it makes complete sense. Like, yeah, of course he would do nerd stuff. Like next. So in L in L E K, he he's already, he has already set up a company, and which is like yeah, he, he and, is and he is his own well. like CEO, president of a company. So yeah, I, I would think I, I, that actually kind of surprised me. I feel like it might again just to be maybe be a bit more realistic. 
he'd probably be like the IT guy who you'd like ask to reset the password and he'd just like roll your eyes at you and just like <laughs> it's like the second time this month and you're like no it's the first time in like, for, in like a year I've needed to do this so you know he'd just he'd just be like have like a whole mess of Ethernet cables on his on his table or something like he'd just be the most annoyed IT guy permanently ever but like you know yeah and Last Casino Evolution does kind of seem to, to hint at that as well with um him having his own tech startup in that yeah, yeah, so yeah, exactly. It, he's, it he's fits. Doing much better I, I, than I expected. Yeah, Izzy's like, I'm not gonna say Izzy is simple. Like, there's lots of Izzy, but like his focus is simple enough where it's like, yeah, this is a slam dunk. I have no problem yeah. with it. I'm like, yeah, perfect. I actually really like the idea that he's like researching the digital world. That's cool. He's he's highly skilled. He's highly IT literate at like the beginning of like the information technology age. So like, yeah, no no shit. He'd become like, a, you know, a, a complete expert prodigy about this stuff you know so uh yeah, yeah. no that, that's but this is bang on i'm I, yeah he researched the digital world yeah of course he does yeah that, that that's it's that. a very generic position <laughs> yeah i like that he has a daughter like i, I find it a bit strange that they've all got kids or whatever but my like, or, but my I, I like um that. my head cannon oh go sorry go ahead uh no no that's fine i was just saying i, 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 I was like gonna that. say like my that, my that, depressing that. head cannon is is that uh Izzy's or his daughter's mom left because Izzy's just so focused on work, and like all him and his daughter do is just talk about tech stuff. So that's my depressing <laughs> headcanon I thought of. See, my my so, non-depressing headcanon is that the reason why his spouse has never shown us because he also adopted a kid, just like to because he was adopted and he realized that. Oh, okay, that's you know, way better. That's except way like better. they look way too similar. So he he that's he really purposely cute. found a kid that looked just like him to adopt. That's that's really cute. I also think, Sloan, that you were just trying to get on my level there with the, like the trying to make it more like. No, I'm no, I'm not even. And just went whoosh way down. Past. It just like I had this thought last so night, and I even made a joke to um to Scrafty earlier. I think about another <laughs> character's uh, marital status. So yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair so enough. next, um, um, next one, Mimi Tachikawa, the legend, the the queen. She has her own cooking show. I think it's perfect. This is so perfectly Mimi. I am really surprised you say that because she's I th- obviously. I think fashion- it's great. She, she's obviously she's obviously the fashion designer. Like, no, if, no, you know, no. She. I mean, I mean, I'm kind I mean, of biased okay, here because so we like, see. I know she becomes a fashion designer, like in. Or like in L.E.K. or whatever. I oh, know she's like an influencer or something. She, I mean, she, I think like, the, what we can tell is like she just has she has like her own like accessory startup in a similar way. It's like how Izzy has his tech startup. Like she has her own like burgeoning business. But okay. Mimi is like flighty enough and ambitious enough and like goes for like what she wants enough that I can totally see her like running like a successful like accessory brand for a little while and then be like, you know what? I want to be a chef. And she does that. That's completely Mimi. I think this is a slam what? dunk for her. You know what? I feel like if it, if it was like Mimi who became the astronaut instead, I feel like you'd be using the exact same defense for, for her. And you know what? I <laughs> no, I think kinda, I think that would also I, be I, stupid. I, 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 but I want to see Palmon. Kind of I want to see Palmon's spacesuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I look. I'm just saying. Like, I think this is a slam dunk for Mimi. I think it really sort of like, especially with, and I think this is with taking Lek into account. Like her going from like play like thing to thing like career to career i think that's like perfectly within character for her to be honest i think her being on tv is it makes a lot of sense i think the fact that she's doing a cooking show look i'm gonna say it and feel free to disagree with me here like i'm not i'm not saying this is a definitive thing or or saying that i don't know okay 
let's look at the four female characters. Like we've 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 already said, Kari wanted to become a teacher. Um, we've said, you know, we've we've touched on Sora, who became a fashion designer. We've touched on Mimi now, who's uh, who's cooking and so on. These feel like they're really playing up the gender roles when it comes to what the uh, oh the, completely the yeah. I'm like it kind of sucks because like Matt, you know, time becomes an important diplomat. I'm just thinking like. Hang on, Mimi lived in America. Like, surely, well, I don't know. Maybe that's not actually that important. But like, you know, Ty's literally going to. Mimi's the U- too messy to be a diplomat. Like, she would be like tweeting like about like how <laughs> stupid like. But she was also dip- like-, like other people are. She'd be like, man, like so and so sucks. I hate him. And like starting like a flame war on Twitter. She was like, she was like fourteen or whatever in the show. To be fair, like I feel like she could probably grow up. And you know, you're talking about like oh, people change a lot in twenty five years and so on. I feel like Mimi's got the most room to improve. <laughs> you know, like because say what you want about hey, her. Hey, she she's- got her. She already got. Don't she's don't even. Of- We're gonna rehab. She- old adventure drama kind of, of me fighting kind of, you over the fact that Mimi Mimi <laughs> was never like a brat though like when I say like no, first I'm not like, saying she's you're, a like brat. drama like I'm no I, I know what you're uh, saying I'm just saying like I think like age. she was already like level-headed enough where like I don't know like I maybe I'm just missing your point but I, I think she's no, like level-headed no, no, enough let me explain, where, like, let, let, me ex- let me explain my point then so slow, yeah don't go so, for it Mimi, Mimi is written like a 14 year old girl and, and previously like a like a 10 year old girl like, like yeah. realistically, I think that is this oh, is yeah. not a Duncan her. Do not take it as this. this no, I no, I agree with that, you. Like for the for for the sake of like you know making an enjoyable show to watch and plot and all this stuff, you have to have the child characters written in a way where they always act completely like a child would or whatever. Like in Adventure, you had Mimi and you had TK as characters who could kind of like act, you know their age essentially whereas like you had ty or joe or izzy izzy in particular who were just acting like and sora i suppose who are acting like way older than they probably would act and that, that's just for the sake of the show but when it comes to this it means that like mimi you know you could realistically say oh yeah mimi could definitely like grow up a lot more than like you could see ty growing up if that makes sense so all i'm trying to say is no yeah that, i agree like i she is comparative to the other characters just because of the way that they're written like unrealistically um to an extent um she is more immature than the others but that, i don't mean that in a prerogative sense a, a, a pejorative sense right? no yeah i mean i um, i agree I, like she is kind of like like very sweetly ditzy and flighty and i i mean that's why i love her but i mean like yeah i agree with you like she sort of does have that has that room yeah it, it's in a childish way uh not in a she is not ditzy in a feminine way she is she is slightly you know like a like a kid she's a kid yeah um, but yeah, her being all 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 the all the lady characters here being given like cooking and kid oh they got married and had kids and nothing else happened in in your lady's case like that kind of sucks and like when you have all your like dude characters like getting to do cooler stuff relatively speaking uh, I mean look at Yole and Ken <laughs> for example we're gonna get to we, um, look we're gonna yeah, get to that we'll and I have a big old paragraph written. Okay, Let's, but what, what I, I'm saying I, is I will that, say, like, I agree with your idea on how, like, heavily gendered this is, but I still think, yes. like, Mimi's, like, job, career, I still think that fits very well for her, because, like, that sort of is her. Sure. I like her being on TV. Oh, I will say that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not actually... I, I guess now that I think about it, um, she does talk a lot about food and that <laughs> in adventure, so I suppose yeah. it's not... I mean, I her, her mom also, her. like, is, like, really into, like, weird cuisine, so you know what? It fits. The subtext is there. So next up, we have 
Joe Keto. Uh, he is the Digital World's first doctor. Yep. You know what? It's that's simple. Yep. I like it though. I, I, I mean, what else is there to say about Joe? Really? I mean, like, I don't even mean this meanly. Like, he married Mimi. They had two kids. Uh, she's a famous uh, chef on TV. He's a doctor. They're living a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a. So I just really love Joe how dismissive that was. Like after two whole seasons of us talking about how much we like Joe, it's like, yeah, Joe's Joe. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's it's Joe's Joe been, in the way that like I was like with Izzy. I'm like, yeah, like it's just Izzy. Like, yeah, like we already knew Joe was going to do medical stuff because of like you know familial and societal pressure. It makes sense that he's going to do it, but I kind of like the idea that like he sort of veers off from like say taking over his father's medical practice or whatever to. Uh, helping Digimon after like what he's seen in Adventure and sort of like how that drove him because like with like the Ogremon stuff and the Leomon stuff he was like wow like the digital world doesn't have a doctor like they don't have people to help and he's like I want to try and help them so like I it's simple and yeah. it fits like I I, I I I sound dismissive but it's just like I don't know what else there is to say about Joe yeah I, yeah, I wouldn't no, that's, say that's that, like you could you could frame this like a lot more interestingly of of, of, of like oh, he's part of, like, a response unit from, like, the Japanese government or whatever, like, providing medical care to the digital world. Like, okay, yeah, sure, but, that, like, they make it very... Digi-doctors without digi-borders. Like, yeah, exactly, right? He's, the, yeah, he's literally, like, MSF going into the digital world and he's heading up their operation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's an audio drama waiting to happen. Um, uh, yeah, I'm so, writing it. So that was fun. So that, that makes perfect sense for Joe. Um, okay, so we already, we already one... went over TK. Uh, so Kari is kindergarten teacher, which we only find out about in this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, the gender roles are strong. This is boring, yeah. but I guess it makes still, sense. Still a gender role. Kari, Kari has kind of gotten boring over the last half of Adventure Zero Two. So Kari, I think this suits Kari, and I feel I feel like it was kind of like, granted, it was only an episode ago, but like they kind of foreshadow this a bit with, with like Kari's like fantasy, whatever, when she's under Malamatusman's spell. Yeah, just like in the in in the grassy field, and there's like all this, you know, everyone on just the grassy knoll, the Digimon, or whatever. In the grassy. Yeah, are we are we going on from from nine eleven to JFK? Our, our dark running made, joke in this series. Hey, they Adventure Zero Two did it first in both cases. <laughs> I can't be blamed. Uh, no, we we kind of we kind of we kind of went to the grassy knoll part ourselves there. So like, don't lie. Um, <laughs> we yeah, so Kari's kind of like. I know. I think it suits her character. Like she, she is, she is fairly nurturing or whatever. And I would rather have that be her character of like, you know, I'd rather have her be a teacher than just a stay-at-home mom. You know, yeah. which is what happens to I my the next my person. personal depressing <laughs> headcan for Kari is because out of all the kids, the the oldest looking ones are Yoli and Ken's daughter, maybe Davis's son and Kari's son. So you know what, Kari is definitely like a like a single like late teen mom who like has to see kids all day at kindergarten <laughs> and has to come home and take care of a kid and it's just like she's struggling but she puts on the happy face because that's kari that but, is, like that you know like she's, right? she's 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 kind of having it rough i just think kari's juno is that like what you're saying here or no like, I... <laughs> yeah kari's hamburger know. phone <laughs> Um, I don't know what I'd say Kari's doing because I think, again, I think teachers are fine, you know, it, it's fine and I feel like, I don't know, she could either 
become it's not so much that i know what Kari would would be like doing as a profession i just know that she'd be in like therapy or something because <laughs> of just all the shit she went through this series with the dark ocean and no all that. she, she no she, like, yeah no she needs therapy she wouldn't be a therapist yeah she yeah, exactly. needs therapy can you imagine like a post digital world therapist where it's like you're just sitting there and you're talking it's like yeah and then they tried to drag me into their dark ocean and um make me spawn their <laughs> children and it's like what do you even say to that as a therapist <laughs> you say uh okay see you next week <laughs> um just googling mental health is not a joke if Dago mom. therapy is important <laughs> um yes kids would i thought you said Dago mom, and i was like is that like is that like where uh like sky blue crocs or something <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like kids would rather go to the dark ocean than just go to therapy. It's it's it makes it makes, it makes <laughs> it oh, God. Um, You're I, all just validating my head cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Kari would be a birthday magician. That's also the other the other idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she would be not a birthday magician, but like a birthday like princess. Like she's like one of those girls in like Hollywood that like because they can't get acting jobs they buy the princess dress and they do like little girls like princess parties. <laughs> she just that's, she that's just uh, Ka- Kari moves to LA and just like wears a like Winnie the Pooh costume by by the uh, by the Chinese theater or whatever. Is that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I'm saying no. I'm saying she does like birthday parties. Like someone wants okay. like a little girl wants a birthday like a princess birthday party, and so like she's hired to be like the like I'm the just... Sleeping Beauty or the Belle. Yeah. And I'm... she like acts like the character. I guess that's probably a job someone has. That sounds. God, that is. Yeah. That's a thing. That's literally a thing. Years later, I, yeah. she uh, makes co- appearances on the convention circuit as one of the original Dizzy Destined. <laughs> no, that's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sora. She that's when she Sora. needs no because Sora has a good job, so she doesn't like need the money. That's that's TK. Why are we so mean to Kari? I guess because the show's mean to her. She's the one who doesn't get the, yeah. the, the panel love, showing what they look, were, what she's up to. I love I, I, I love I, Kari, but they have just like to... given her nothing for like the last half of this series. Like even even Yuli, of... who is a freaking housewife, spoilers, um, gets like a little uh, like image showing what she's up to. Kari doesn't even get that much dignity. And she's like she's like so heavily focused on with like the dark ocean stuff. It's surprising that she gets like so little. Kari Kari is a very unfocused character. Like they they could have done a lot with her, and I feel like they backed away several times, both in the original adventure and in this show, to make her yeah the character they were intending for her to be. Instead, she just ends up being like like sort of like flipping between like being incredibly important and having some like deep potent power, like she's Aerith from ff7 or something or or she's just a background character you know and and get him on varies in strength from scene to scene so it's it's yeah, yeah it's a shame but like i think i think this this ending for her is like fine uh the only thing i would say is that again just just like you know something happened between her and tk you just know it would have happened and no i'm not, <laughs> I'm not even Look, i'm not even doing no. i'm not even the I'm not even doing the Jeremy thing or whatever, like trying to like having my ship and like standing I, well, for it. I, I was, I think, so I, I, just, I took, I took I pictures and I posted them on Twitter last night. I just think it's very probable, <laughs> given the way they've written those characters and like associated them with one another, that something would have happened there. Um, uh, but that's more of an Ellie. Maybe company. it's like a parent trap <laughs> thing going on, <laughs> like TK, like and like Kari's kids. Like they're like trying to like work on like doing the whole parent trap thing to get their parents yeah, back that's, together. That, that, that's Mimi and Joe because Mimi lives in America and Joe is in Japan, so you know, 
No, we don't know that she lives in America in the epilogue. She could live just in Japan. She, did. she always seems to be in America. She could. So. <laughs> uh, she could. in America and try. And no, okay. In, no, in her in her uh, her little scene in the epilogue, there's Japanese text on uh, okay on the All little right. show. I don't think that means anything, but okay. Um, should we move on to the next? <laughs> so the, there we go. The I'm validated yet again. Right, Never right. doubt me on uh, on Jomi affairs. I'm the I'm also, the vice minister of Jomi affairs. Can't hold that all these set, That that set looks absolutely like completely budget. So yeah, it's probably a Japanese show rather than rather than an American one. <laughs> um, yeah, like You're right. Oof. Okay. Um, yeah. It's time to get to Davis then. No, Davis. No, uh, we've got we've got no? one more. We've got one more. You got Cody, Cody and Ken and Yoli. No, I I know, but like, uh, like, can't we just like? Yoli like, I'm going. I'm going in the order I took the notes in. So, do we want to save Davis for last? No, you. I'm literally looking at the synopsis on like the Wikipedia page, and you're okay. Ken are next. So, yeah, we, I, I just did it in like order of um, like the Digi Destin. So that's that's my my fault. My bad. Fair enough. So we're going Ken Yoli then. Yeah. Yeah. Yoli. Might as well rip this bandaid off right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this out loud, what it says. Um, Ken and Yole are married with three children, two boys and a girl, and Ken is a detective with Stingmon, while Yole has become a housewife. Uh, I'm that, that traced picture of Iron Man, like of the guy, like the old man having the heart attack, but it's Iron Man. Yeah, I'm the, that the, picture right now. The, the, the meme guy, like, oh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I hate, I hate both of these. I hate it. But I hate the Yoles a lot more, for obvious reasons. Okay, um, why but, but doesn't Yoli is... do, like, stuff like monitoring the digital world with Izzy? Like, we've seen, like, she's, like, like she's, like, part of, like, the computer club. Like, in the first episode, she's, like, oh, you're Izzy, the computer club. Like, she, like, he knows his stuff. So, like, she's technically savvy. She made Matt's band actually decent as opposed to miserable and horrible. <laughs> like, why do they disgrace her character like this? Like, the not even just the 11th hour disgrace, like the the dream sequence was, but the 11th hour and 59th minute disgrace to her character of her doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, and I, I'm not I saying don't get that, it because, like, like every, every, oh, go for it. That's perfectly fine. It is, it's a tough job, but, but Yoli just doing that, that is not, that does not feel her character. In L.E.K., she is studying engineering abroad, and you're telling me that, like, in the five or so years after L.E.K., she's just like, okay, I'm just gonna sit here with nothing. L.E.K.'s treatment of Yoli is obviously a response to the epilogue. Like, they clearly knew that they, that what was written before was a mess, and, and they sought to correct that. Look, I, I, I'm yelling about Yoli this week again, so... (laughs) Yeah, she no. she gets done the dirtiest out of anyone. Like at least Kari, even though she doesn't get a, a, a slide, gets a job. Like yeah, yeah. It's something every, that talks about her character. Every every single character here gets a child. Basically, <laughs> they have a child. Like every, pretty much everyone has a child. They Yole, yes, has a has a kid as well, and she gets married. Sure, whatever. Like Ken and Yole are the only two to settle down. Right, that's that's the thing. Or. Oh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get to this in a bit. But Sora, the Sora and, and Matt also settle down. But they are given separate... Andrew and, 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 and Mimi, sorry. Oh, all right, okay. Matt goes to space. You, Sora has a business. Like, and, and apparently they're married and that's fine. Okay, great. Like, why can't you really do the same thing? Like, you literally just ginned up the most, like, ass-pull descriptions of, like, future careers that you could think of for, like, I don't know, like, Sora and... Kari, I suppose, and like Matt, especially. Like, 
you can't you can't tell me you you can't just come up with something where she's like you know what Yole would do? She would be like at the very least she would be like the the coach of like a local sports team or something. Like she she just needs no, something she's too where nerdy she, for that. she like boss. She no, but she no, she's not nerdy though. She wears glasses, yeah, but like that's literally the only she's, trait about her. Well, she knows how to work on dance yeah, like age eleven. She she's her podcast cat- at age eleven. Like <laughs> well, she knows true. what that, she's doing. That's true. Okay, maybe she's like a DJ then or something. Okay, I can like, I can I can kind of yeah. work with that. I yeah, can work exactly. With that. She knows how to work podcast. She knows how to like she she helped Matt's band like on the technical side of things. Like yeah, she she'd be a DJ, and more importantly, she just loves the sound of her own voice. Like she loves to just like talk. She really talk does. Like, I can't disagree with I'm, that, I'm, and that's why I love her. So look, I'm just yeah, saying, if they want exactly. to make her a mom, they just staying go at for home. It. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, she she can. They could literally say that and do what they've done with everyone else, where they just show the fact that they have kids. Like yeah, no shit, she's gonna take care of them. But like, give her something to do. Yeah, okay, I, I'm perfectly okay with one of these characters being like a stay at home. Mom or whatever. Yeah, Ken should have been the stay-at-home that a, parent. Yeah, like, that Sora. is a totally that's a totally valid like decision. If if someone wants to live their life, that's awesome. More power yeah, to that's you. A, that's, that's, just... a, that's a tough, real job. I'm not yeah, going to disagree with that. But for it's... but for Yoli, it yeah, is the, the issue... least fitting. The issue is, yeah, not only does it never not fit Yoli, but tethering her future to Ken really bugs me because they they barely interact other than her calling him cute and then distrusting him for one arc. Yeah, and also, yeah, like, it's... Yole, Yole, Yole's thing is that, like... Uh, she okay. thinks everyone is cute. What it is, it, what it is, is that this is the one role here. Like, we, we've said we said early on that there are a lot of these roles seem fairly, like, uh, extraordinary in, in spots. But, like, the reality is you have some really out-there career paths, like Ty going to the UN and Matt going to space and all this stuff. And, and then, But you, there's a lot, of, a lot of roles here which are way more down-to-earth, like Kari becoming a teacher. Like, you can do that. You can have those roles, but you can't then have one which is just so plain. Like, if you want to make one of the characters and say, I bet one of these characters becomes a stay-at-home mom, you need to have a character that's like, oh, I bet he becomes a salary man or whatever. Like, you know, I, I was talking about, yeah. like, what would these characters realistically become? Like, I think Sora, realistically, she would either A, take over the family business or, or you know, failing that. She would become she, a stay-at-home She would do mom. both. Like, like she, like when yeah, like the kids she, are at school, she's doing the like Ikebana work, basically. Mimi, Mimi would be driven insane by that kind of lifestyle, like living at home. And I feel like Yole would be exactly the same as well. Like, like I, I don't, don't know, think sure. I don't think so because Mimi had a very like loving, like close family life. So I think she would take after her mother in that regard. No, they would want to go out there into the world and do stuff. Though it's not that they wouldn't want to care for them, for a family. It's what that they'd want to do something okay, that's... else as well. Like I she, think she, about my she's she's restless. Yeah, I she's flighty and restless. So yeah, I can mom. see that. I think about my mom, who's very you know she she obviously spent so much of her life looking after looking after me and my, and my siblings and that. But she always wanted to get have a job and stuff as well. Even even now, even when we've all you know been long gone from home because it's ultimately made her restless so that's a very familiar i'm very familiar with that sort of thing for you know a, totally. a, a mom to be like and and I, I i can sort of recognize that if anyone's going to be like that it's going to be if anyone's going to be happy just doing that and nothing else it would be sora because she's such a non-character you can't have any of these characters you actually put some like effort of like characterization into like yole me and say they would be stay-at-home moms uh, Mimi, they got that right. Yoli, they they completely fucked up, in my opinion. So, see, if Yoli is a stay-at-home mom, 
and like Hawkmon's home with the babies, then Ken should have been like a dead end salary man, and like him and like Stingmon are yep. wearing like really like like bad suits and like just depressed and disheveled, <laughs> and like I going think... to like the the arcade after work like chain smoking while like no, beating up kids sad. in KOF. Ken... See, no, Ken deserves a good ending too. They all deserve good endings. That's why it's so frustrating. They do. That, um, they I'm, just, I'm just saying, if if out of this pairing. There was one of the two that would have been a stay-at-home parent. It would have been Ken. I mean, you're not wrong. I, f- I, like I firmly it. believe that. He deserves it. wrong, but you shouldn't say it. Yeah. I think I think Ken. Ken, Ken, this person who's put so much, like, you know, although it wasn't entirely his own actions, like, he's put a lot of, like, pain into the world and so on. He's a character that would want to make amends, and, like, he has wanted to do this the whole time. And he would definitely go down a path of, like, how can I make the world a better place? Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily um, <laughs> the best approach, but I think he may consider becoming a uh, a like politician or something like that in order to like, oh no, try and affect change for the better. So he might like join the diet or whatever. You know, he's he's. Car- I could definitely see that role for him. Yeah, no, I you're, can see you're that. Right. I can I can see that as well. He'd be like a lobbyist I or think, something. I think uh, Ken would realize like what's going on with him and his parents, and I can see him being a stay-at-home dad, like, solely so that way he doesn't risk losing his kids in the same way. Like, I could see him being, like, a really affectionate, like, father fi- like father to his kids and being like, hey, you want me to take you to sports practice? I uh, I got some orange slices for you. Like, go, <laughs> go, Jimmy. If we're talking realistically, stay-at-home dads, how common are they in Japan. <laughs> like, I don't know. Or, uh, they're not very common anywhere, really, and I don't know that. Can could have break, broken the mold. Well, I guess so, yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just thinking, like, what what, what would be the realistic path? I think we can say for sure that him becoming action hero detective is dumb as bricks. Yeah, like, like want, so I think they should have, they should have swapped Cody, Cody and Ken's jobs. Um, sure, but, like, make it so that he's a yeah. detective in, like, the yeah. normal sense. Like, he's, yeah, Cody would probably just become a cop. Um, him becoming a lawyer is fine, I guess, because it's I, see, I think I, like I think that, it would like work because he's a defense attorney specifically, which is what you know would like can help people. He would it would help him make amends by by aiding people who are yeah, powerless guess, and don't have anything on the side. I guess side. we can say for but Cody more, at least that he's not a prosecutor, so I can respect him more. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's a he's a reactionary. It's a reactionary position though to be a. To be a Ken's uh, a reactionary. A, a oh no, so, no, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's reactionary it's, like, because like a lot of like. Like, public defenders are there to help people who don't have any resources to help themselves. Right, right. but they're, like, being, they've, been, they've ended up in a position where they, where they like, you know, they, they, something bad has happened initially, rather than, like, a case of, like, trying to... Uh, it's hard to describe, but I just feel like him being, like, going more on that political or, like, charitable route or something, or, or like, you know, something like that would fit Ken more than becoming, like, a lawyer. Because it's like you're not really doing anything to like stop the process where people are ending up, you know, committing crimes or being accused of committing crimes or whatever it is. You know, you're just you're just um, helping those out who end up in that problem. So I can see him being one to more being someone who affects change rather than just like helps helps people who have fallen into a bad way in like a more in like an often and you know. He also, I also think he probably won't want to like defend people that that shouldn't be defended, which I feel like is probably a position that a lot of defense lawyers fall into. So I don't know; it's very specific. I'm I'm probably thinking to wait him on hard about this, but I think for Cody, it's probably fine. I'm not sure 
what I would have Cody do otherwise, because his a lot of his character development is so closely tied to his dad, who they never let us forget was a cop. I mean, we <laughs> so, know what we, he would do. We just don't want to say it. He'd become a cop. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say it. I'm all like, you know, I'm not saying it's. I I don't definitely don't think it's a good thing, but you know, that's his no, character. No, I know. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, Cody's daughter is obnoxious. I just got to say. Yeah, when she says, um, if they touch touch me, can I sue them? I was like, that's not what a defense lawyer does, idiot. Yeah, that's a, like, that's, that's a, not a litigator. prosecutor. Like, yeah, that, that's on, a litigator, like, not, a, not, a, not a defense attorney. Like, they, yeah, like wait, all wait. the other kids are like, oh, she's, co- like, she's coming, like, oh, She's coming. Like, mom, do we have to see Uncle Cody and, and his daughter? <laughs> she's not fun. Yeah. She's gonna steal my money and then blame it on socialism. <laughs> no! Let's talk about Davis's new uh, top, which which I have. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about. We we I, all have thoughts if, on this. Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna start off by saying if it was just a noodle cart, fantastic. I love yeah, it. Yeah, completely. Perfectly fitting completely. with Davis's character. His the entire point of his character, as stated by the writers, is that he is a simple person who doesn't have a lot of changing to do, and that's a good thing. Exactly. So I I wrote him... my notes about how right you are about I know you are about all of this based on what we've said. So go yeah. go for it. So so having him be a world famous superstar who's on the front of Time magazine, that's bad. I don't like that at all. I I want the best for for my sweet child and his and his ambitions. This ain't it though. I think It's really it's, not. It's it would be more powerful if he lived a humble life, but he's content with that because he, Davis is the kind of person, or Daisuke is the kind of person who doesn't need success or adulation to be happy with himself. And I think, like, honestly, I feel like whoever animated this agrees with me to an extent because the magazine he's on it looks like it's a parody of Time, but it's called Teme, and Teme is the Japanese word like the rude form of you. Like if you called someone you bastard, that'd be Teme. <laughs> Okay, I like that. See, Davis should have had like or like a hole in the wall like noodle spot. That's like, like it's it's doing okay. Like he can't really hire many employees because like you know it's going. But like everyone who goes there like loves it. Yeah, like, oh, that's it's the best. That's the perfect <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah, like it's a little a, a small but beloved noodle place. That would be perfect yeah. for Davis as a character. I I would like really... man, you have the best noodles. Why don't you Why don't you like Why don't you franchise it? He's like, no, like I'm good. Like I'm just. I'm happy making my yeah. noodles, man. Making him into an obnoxious yep. capitalist just makes me upset. I don't like that. Yeah, he's got franchised. Like, yeah, it, it, it's it's so like I, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to like the characters who have like the more like extraordinary careers and do wacky shit and whatever, and the characters who just have like more normal careers and so on. They should have picked a like tone for this and just flew with it. If if everyone had wacky careers and then they did the thing here where they made Davis's like noodle cart dreams into like his you know burgeoning restaurant empire or whatever, like fine, okay, sure, that kind of makes sense because he said what he wanted to do in the show, so you kind of have to do it. But let's make it wacky. Let's make it so that he takes over the world with noodles, or whatever. You know, it's, it's the it's demolition, <laughs> you, okay. it's demolition man. You know, he would Taco never Bell let or... Yoli live down being a, a housewife if he's yeah. becoming like a rich noodle man. You can't have Davis's noodle cart empire go 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 global and have Yoli be a stay at home mom because that at that point you're just, yeah. you're sending a very clear message that what one character should do one thing and another character who happens to be one of the uh, the only like new female character you've introduced in the show is uh, should do another thing 
Yeah, like, I just imagine I, a wet just, fart noise here because I don't I don't want to make one. It just it feels like it's like I know I say this all the time to the point where I sound like a broken record. This feels like a betrayal of his character. Oh, completely. I I can't. I mean, like for Davis, like it's like uh, like it's already bad for Davis, but for Dice K, like it just sounds miserable. Yeah, like he he is a humble, sweet person who you know does what he thinks is best and isn't afraid to speak his mind. That that is his character. So having his character change from that into oh yeah he was a super successful businessman because he worked hard and ate his vegetables it's like i don't know it just it just feels hollow like it yeah it's not i I don't have that strong words to say about it but it's it's very it's very beside the point when it comes to davis's character but a, a lot of these are so out there or so like off out of character that i'm like well, he opened the noodle cart at least, so I guess they got that right, which I, I do like a lot. Like that that was his ambition. And that he followed through on it, because that's so Davis as well. You know, it's not like him to give up on an idea or dream. So even though I'm completely sure he made that up on the spot when he was asked about it <laughs> <laughs> when he was asked about it um at the end of this episode proper. So Yeah, and like and that would track with his character too. He's like, I don't really know what I want to do and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, I, like, I want noodles. Wait, hold on. What if I just open it? <laughs> he was just thinking about food in that moment, and then, <laughs> then that's what happened to Poppy. I, I, I will give one thing and one thing only. The name Noodle Noodle Come Get Your Noodle is so stupid, but you know what? That's something Davis would do. He would totally name his stupid noodle car, noodle restaurant that. It's so dumb and perfect. That is a marketing disaster, and anything that makes marketing people cringe is is uh, is a-okay about me. So, um, yeah, let's... <laughs> let, yeah. Genius. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I like that he did the thing. I just wish they hadn't peppered it with that. And it went, it went global. You know what? If it had solved the business to like, I don't know, like some chain, like some, you know, fast food chain or whatever, and like McDonald's, like, well, not McDonald's, but like, I, I, I don't know who buys up like restaurant startups or whatever. But like, if it had solved the business and like, Young brand, I guess, a bit made, made a shitload of money or whatever, like. Okay, fine. Yeah, all right. And then he got lucky, and then and then he became the stay-at-home dad. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> I could see him in that. Davis role as well. would become a stay-at-home so, dad. I think we can agree on that. I and think he, he, Dice K would. Dice K would become a stay-at-home dad for sure. Yeah, either either one of them would become the like the local like uh, little league coach or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Become, he he, like just, everyone like, just wants to, to come over to his school. son's house because yeah. they're like, oh, your dad's going to make like really good food like if we come over to your house. <laughs> also, I'm going to throw this out there and don't get mad at me. Yole and Davis would totally hook up. I have, okay, I have a lot of thoughts on that that I will not go into now. I'll go into next episode. But <laughs> you're not wrong. That's all I'm going to say this Thank episode. You. You're not wrong. Thank you. Yes. That, that, that Even if be, my preferred pairing yeah. would be uh, Miyakari, aka Miyako and Hikari, you're not wrong, and I will go into that <laughs> in a retrospective. Yes, I, 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 I have a lot of thoughts on this. I apologize for my completely like uh, MF pairings here, but it's you know it's it's it, yeah. Um, but but it's yeah, look, we'll get yeah, into, we'll I get into into pairings well. next episode, I'm sure. Ken dies alone, obviously. That's, that's... No, that's sad. Don't say that. <laughs> see, Ken... See, okay, so the the Ken Davis Yoli situation would be the Parks and Rec, this is my boyfriend blank, and this is his boyfriend. Like, that would be Yoli saying about Ken, and then about <laughs> Ken with Davis. Because that's them. They're, they're a throuple. <laughs> a throuple, yeah. A throuple. 
a, throw, a, a polycule. Uh, if there's one thing I can say about pairings in the epilogue, I am I I am glad that Serato happened, if only for the fact that otherwise I have a horrible feeling uh, Matt and Mimi would have been paired up, and that would have absolutely killed me. So, Yo, good they, job. They made... Good job, Zero Two producer, for pairing them up, even though no one wanted that. I'm so proud <laughs> they of made you. people. This stuff made people so mad, and having rewatched these two seasons over the last year has made me realize, and, and LEK helped as well, um, it's made me realize, what the hell were people talking about? Like, there's nothing there. It's Tyre Matt. Sora's not a character. Sora's not a character. Ty and Matt have more, <laughs> more sparks flying between them. Like, they have more chemistry. I just don't get it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's weird. So, like I don't they, know. The only like, thing ever okay. suggested anything along these they, lines is our war game, and and you know whatever that was one summer. So yeah, they okay. My thought is that uh, Matt and Sora went through their combat phase, and like they sort of like realized like oh like hey I got something to tell you oh I got something to tell you amicable breakup. Uh, Sora marries another woman. Matt and Ty get together. They adopt two kids. There you go. Yeah. It's so what do you think about what do you think about the ending scene here with um, everyone together as one? Can I, you know, they're can I, can I say, the darkness is never um, truly gone. Can I can I read out the Japanese last line because I I love this last line in the sub. It is Go really good. So the last line of, of of the series of this continuity for a decade in in the sub is um, the world, much like people's hearts, is full of both good and evil. They'll continue to battle forever. However, as long as you try to keep you good in your heart and work towards your dreams, all will be fine with the world. But remember, you are the one who has to turn the pages on your adventures. That's good. That's really good. It works really well with the season's overarching theme of self-determinism, and you know, yeah. you can't just succeed the easy way. Like that was the entire point of Ken's arc and the point of the Dark Spores and the point of Oikawa's character arc is that like if you want something, you have to achieve it yourself. You can't wait around for it to happen to you. Um, and this last line works really well for me. I'm glad that they have something which like ties it into the actual series, because otherwise this epilogue just like is like a thing that just happens and doesn't really mean anything or or like ties ties into anything. So it's so it's so like um, nice that they added that on there. Obviously, the dorp has nothing like that, um, but yeah. Maybe like a bit of a last gasp thing to like be like, oh, we should write something, you know. But I'm le- at least they thought of that, I suppose. Uh, yeah, and, and I and I guess yeah, like you were saying before, apparently there's there's been this idea since the original series to like end on in the show this way. Um, so I guess having that line in there also means it's more of an O2 thing than rather rather than a adventure like one thing yeah because this ending also spends a lot of time like talking about the original crew which you know it's fine but that's this isn't their show um so yeah i, I don't know anyway I, I think this i think i think this epilogue is just kind of very unnecessary like and yeah. i wish it spent they'd spent a bit more time reflecting on those sorts of themes of, of o2 in like the show itself or like with the existing characters because again the, the yeah. future characters I, are I characters. i think unnecessary is the best word for it it's narratively unnecessary it's thematically unnecessary like it just does not feel good to watch it's fun when your like, epilogue spends most of its time assassinating well-loved characters you've done something wrong yeah, well, like it's, it's, it's fan service, yeah. but it's not even good fan service. 
Yeah. If you if you want to do this sort of epilogue, if you want us to, if you want to do the cast forward into the future to see what other characters are hanging out with, uh, sorry, do to see what the characters you've been hanging out with for all this time are up to, you know, in the future or once they've grown up and what have you. How do they end up? You need to make sure that you have a full proper grasp on the characters. I don't know who wrote this epilogue. I don't know if they were fully involved in the entirety of adventure or like even even most of o2 they were it's, it was the original series creator and writer who did it that's Fair depressing enough. that's depressing yeah because that that just shows does this mean are, are, they had... are we wrong then or are no, they wrong? i think i don't I think know they just i think they just had preconceived notions about where these characters would end up um and the show itself didn't really bear out because the yeah, show i mean like it doesn't, you know they, they probably, doesn't probably just them. fought it probably just fought really early on that you're like, oh, Yole, here's this new character, Yole, uh, she's going to end up doing this or whatever. Like, I can't imagine that the writers would have, like, either A, known about that, or B, if they had known that's where she'd end up, they would have, like, written something to, like, match that, because that would have been I mean, I, I feel like boring as it hell. doesn't help. It also doesn't help that, like, the, the original series, like, the original series writer for Adventure has admitted that he just loves subverting expectations. He doesn't really care about narrative consistency as long as surprising people sometimes. So that's pain. I mean, look, that can be a fun approach to take for things, but like, you have to do it when it comes to when it comes to things that happen, not in regards to who are these characters. So, you know, like I think there's people who are good at doing that stuff, um, and I think based on this epilogue, <laughs> that person may not be one of them. So, <laughs> yeah, that's not cool to her um yeah it's i'm depressed now. i do wonder i yeah i i do wonder if the intention if there was ever an intention to like leave the door open for like more adventure stuff in the future based on the epilogue i don't think so i think the plan like, was to the, continue the, onwards and do alternate universes um from now on which is why they closed the book pretty definitively on this one only to hastily open it a decade later when they realized oh we need more we need more uh, more uh, content for, for the fans. Gotta get money. Well, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, at least they made good in that eventually. Um, with L.E.K. Oh. Um, okay, I think I've... I don't know what, much more to say about this, this epilogue. I think we're doing our retrospective next week, and I think that's... This, I think this is probably going to yeah. feature heavily. I'm, I'm going to save a couple... I'm going to save a couple speeches in my pocket for that one. I think I'm about tapped out as to things to say about this for now. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we'll I, uh, I've yelled about Yoli enough. Uh, I'll probably save more <laughs> next week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yell about Yoli. Uh, depression. We've been, we've been waiting to use this episode title for the longest time, but I think I think after what we've said in this episode, Sloan, I think this is finally the time we can pull the trigger and name this one y- Yellow for Yole. What do you think? Yeah, I oh I've been look, I've been waiting to use that for like months now. We're gonna we're <laughs> yeah. gonna use this for the epilogue no matter for this episode no matter what. I don't care what. Yep. We could have spent like all the time talking about Oikawa, but I would have used this title anyways. I don't care. Um <laughs> Fair This enough. is me going rogue. I mean, I'm trying to think of a word that sort of you can like sub in for yelling, which would like right. Okay, you know, there's no ornery about Oikawa. There you go. <laughs> observing, observing observations about observing Oikawa. over Oikawa. Yelling about Yukio. There we go. Bam. There you go. Did it in one. That's not the title. It's going to be yelling about Yoli. Fuck me. That's. I will see good. about that. I control the title card, not you. <laughs> I control the. Um, okay. 
<laughs> I do not control the speed at which lobsters boil. Yeah. That's a You reference. control the speed. They control... No, okay, I've, I've messed it up. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, so with that out of the way, Scrafty, do we have any yes. mail or... We do? Uh, I think let's save that for, for next week. I think that'd be for best, yeah. I we'll think we're all kind for... of tuckered. We're all kind of tuckered out. I think. Yeah. So well, let's get into our uh, our wrap up then. So uh, if people want to send in mail, especially for next week, um, or technically tomorrow, since you know when it comes out and when we record, where can they send in any mail that they want for the retrospective? Uh, you can send those into diginovacast at gmail dot com. That's diginovacast at gmail dot com. We always love getting mail. That's like one of our favorite parts of the show. So if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, memes, theories, etc. about Adventure Zero Two and its long storied legacy, you can send those right in. We will read them on air and give us your uh, our thoughts on your thoughts. Yep. So, Scrafty, aside from uh, the wave of depression about the epilogue, what have you been up to? <laughs> um most of my week has been split between um apartment stuff and playing monster hunter rise because like because of you know i've been all around the city looking at different apartments uh this week because uh we uh, we weren't able to get the the one that we were really going after but we that was probably a, a good thing because we found one that we liked even more after that well, that's awesome so, uh, fingers crossed, we're, we're in the, currently, as of uh, time of recording, we're in the middle of the application process for that. By the time you hear this, we might actually have it, so that would be amazing. It is such a gorgeous place, and I'm really looking forward to um, getting my stuff set up in there. But uh, other than that, yeah, there's been a lot of train rides and, um, you know, long phone calls and discussions, so I've been doing a lot of uh, Monster Hunter Rise this week. That game is fantastic. Uh, I just love the Monster Hunter game, gameplay loop in general, but this one, it feels very streamlined in a way that I don't think new players will appreciate as much, <laughs> if that makes sense. I know that sounds weird to say, but... Um, no, I get you. It's Ironically, I'm not sure this would be a good first one to start with, because it is one of the densest Monster Hunter games in terms of stuff going on and stuff you have to learn. Um, but if you're coming off of this from a previous game, this will feel buttery smooth, like this is like, I think the best comparison is this feels like going from Demon Souls to Bloodborne in terms of how, how fluid and, and, and fast-paced it is. So... Huh, okay. Uh, I definitely, like, I definitely think it's, it still is a great game. If you're curious in the series, uh, now is a good time to jump in because lots of people are playing it. Um, you might just need to look up some extra guides and, and information or just get someone who's, you know, experienced with the franchise to answer your questions because they're... There is a lot of stuff, even someone who's played, you know, this is the fifth game I've played the Monster Hunter franchise. Um, I have a lot of questions about stuff, and uh, the game doesn't do a great job of explaining all of that, so I had to look up some stuff. Uh, but if that's not a big deal to you, that's not a deal breaker, then definitely check it out. Like I said, if you aren't new to the series, I'll 100% check this out. This is arguably, I'd, I would say, the in the contention for, for best game in the series right now. I know that's really weird to say considering it just came out, but it is that good. That's cool. Huh. Glad you're enjoying I, it. Yeah. I tried to get into cool, World, but it couldn't yeah. catch me, so I'm not sure if I'll check out Rise, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. A lot of people seem to be liking it. Yeah, it is like, 
It's one of those things where the the new edition of like you can get you this uh, this grappling hook called a wire bug that lets you um, gives you much better mobility and lets you kind of fly around um, the map doing crazy acrobatic tricks both in and out of battle. And I didn't realize how much I needed better mobility in a Monster Hunter until I used that. Like it just makes everything so much faster. Like it makes um, exploring less of a slog because you can, you know, you can climb up walls without having to find an extremely long roundabout path up there. It makes, um, like, fighting more fun because you have all these new tools uh, in your toolbox that you can you can use to um, attack from the air or catch up to a monster that's running away. It's just, like, it feels so nice, and I love, like... I rarely did this in old games because I felt like it was a waste of time, but sometimes I, I'll just go into a mission I've already completed, um, even even though I'm not grinding for any, anything in it, just so that I can try out new, uh, like, wire bug tricks on the monsters in there, and that's, like, that's the biggest praise I can give to it, is that it, it makes experimenting feel fun in a game that's almost entirely based around um, planning and grinding at times. Huh. So that's, that's definitely a, a huge plus in its corner. That sounds great. Um, I'm not very, yeah, I'm not very far. In it. I've only just recently completed the the, the two star uh, missions, but it is great, and I'm very much looking forward to playing it more uh, once I don't have to worry about um, apartment stuff as much. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, that'll be sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed, and I got my toes crossed for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, same, same here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the demo of that, but I've. God, Monster Hunter just seems like such a commitment, like in terms of like time and learning and so on. And I'm just the laziest like game player I could possibly think of. So like I, <laughs> I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> at some point, I don't know. Maybe can they add in Kami into that game already? I just feel like that's well overdue. Like Monster Hunter loves its co- collabs, and with this being like all traditional Japanese, I'm just like, where's Ami? Where's that? Where's Amaterasu? Like, <laughs> come on, it must. That, that must would be, be awesome. Soon. Yeah. Especially since most of the monsters in this game are based on, like, yokai. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just like some of the Okami bosses were, so that would be a good fit. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Anywho, I'll uh, I'll probably get that on the sale at some point in the future. And then maybe wait for the Switch Pro. Oh, it, it definitely will go on sale. This is Monster Hunter, so they're going to do at least two extra versions. <laughs> most likely. <laughs> sure. Well, it's DLC or something, right? But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Maybe it will be just DLC this time. Um... Because that's a thing that they can do. But, um, yeah, usually there's, like, an expansion that adds... Sorry? They did Iceborne, didn't they? So Yeah, this is the first, like, Nintendo one that that has, uh, like, full DLC capabilities, though. Because usually they make you buy the game a second time, like, Street Fighter style, in order to get all the new monsters that they added into the the update. Right. On Switch, it was very awkward, because the Switch version of Monster Hunter Generations was a port of a uh, 3DS game. And as as a result, they had to release this really clumsy archaic tool to transfer your save file from the 3ds version onto the switch and it, it was a nightmare i'm very glad that we don't have to deal with that anymore <laughs> yeah this seems like seems like months on is well and fully past the like recycle ps2 ever days so that's cool i'm yeah, glad, I'm glad I, to see that that's another thing i'm i am imp- very impressed by how good this game looks like i think that this game looks and runs smoother than most first party nintendo games do Huh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the RE engine is like a, is like a. I don't know how Capcom did it. They made it the one of the greatest game engines I've ever seen in terms of 
it runs smooth as butter even on lesser hardware. Like this, I think it's safe to say that the Switch yeah. is less powerful than the PS4, right? Like one hundred percent. Yeah, we're, we're false. Yeah. And the RE engine was designed to work on PCs and PS4s first. So they retrofitted this engine onto a weaker piece of hardware and still made it look almost as good as as like the PS4, which is I, incredible I, I feel, in my opinion. I feel like I feel like Capcom was experienced with this because like MT Framework was their engine for a long time, and that seemed to be incredibly versatile as well. Like they had that thing on 3DS um, running really well. So like, I'm not too surprised necessarily, but like I think RE engine before now, like after, considering its namesake, like it was you what was it used for it's like used for two resident evil games and a devil may cry game and and it really seemed to all be about like incredibly detailed like models for characters and stuff so like when they had it on switch yeah they've used it for free games on switch already like they've used it for monster hunter but also the ghosts and goblins game that came out recently and then also the mm-hmm. uh capcom arcade stadium which only uses it for like presentation or like fake arcade cabinets which is weird but like yeah it's cool to see them like have an engine that you can use now to like make cool stuff which is like you know well overdue i suppose so um yeah like yeah. Capcom anyway, I'm glad, technical I'm glad Capcom. wizards and i it really shines through in this i i don't know how they managed to make a game look both realistic and um stylized but they did it it's, it's great <laughs> great yeah cool yeah they've been doing good lately yeah you playing anything else scrafty or uh no that's that's about it. I've just basically been doing apartment stuff and, and playing Monster Hunter at night when I get home. Um, so not not a whole lot going on with me. Um, but what about you, Tom? Where can we find you and what have you been up to? You can find me at Heart on Twitter. Um, and I have been... Oh, I feel like I've just been bouncing between like all sorts of different stuff. Um, maybe it's just in lieu of seeing everyone's playing Monster Hunter and I'm just like... I kind of want to do like a million things as well, just to kind of prove my theory about if I'm not playing Monster Hunter, then I can play, I can do all this other stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, no, but, but like I've been trying to bounce back into Hitman. I got Hitman 3 because I saw it was on a sale and I've imported all my Hitman 1 and 2 stuff into Hitman 3. Um, incredible that you can just put all those levels into one game and it like being on the nice you know the most up-to-date version and now you can play it all in vr as well which is wild to me yeah like speaking, i'm speaking really excited to wizardry, yeah like speaking yes. of technical wizardry io interactive is amazing like i think that other uh companies should be embarrassed <laughs> that they're able to yeah. port all of their levels for across three games and three different platforms and make them work all together yeah, you could make you could definitely make arguments about like how this has meant that like between Hitman one, two, and three, there hasn't been much like evolution in terms of like mechanics and so on. But that's only because Hitman already had incredible like mechanics to begin with, and that's building on top of like you know their history developing. Like they already had an incredible formula with like what you'd seen in like Blood Money and games like that. They just had to make it way more appetizing in terms of like controls, presentation, you know, like everything really and and that first hitman game was like a goddamn miracle so really it was just making you know bigger maps denser maps like funnier objectives like and that's what they did so i'm excited to dig into the the new stuff for hitman 3 uh, and the dlc for 2 which i picked up but haven't got around to um uh over this four-day weekend because i've got a nice a nice four-day weekend thanks to thanks to easter nice um and um yeah, so I'm excited to dig into that. I'll give the VR bit a go and try and drown someone in a toilet using the move controllers. I'm sure that will go well. Um, 
I also, Apple Arcade just also had like a massive like update today. So I'm going to like dig into Fantasian, which I was expecting to be out today, which is the new, that's the new RPG from uh, 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 Sakaguchi, the Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy creator, uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi, uh, his company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like an RPG with like, on the surface, it kind of looks a bit like really default, but rather than like hand-drawn backgrounds, it's using like dioramas they've taken pictures of and stuff. So and like rendering the characters on top of it, which so it's a really slick look and 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 you know really suits like the iPhone hardware. I'm not sure if it was on Switch and who knows, maybe it'll come in the future. But I'm sure if it was on Switch, it'd look nice there too. Um, so I'm excited to play that. But then there's also been a ton of like other things came out, like World of Demons by Platinum Games came out, which I thought was cancelled, but nope, it's just it's just it's still alive. It turns out and it's just released today, and it was you just can tell it used to be a gacha game. Yeah, I guess Apple Apple probably just came to them and said, "Look, we're we're funding stuff now, so do you want us to fund it?" And you can see where all the gacha routes were for that game with like different yokai you can collect and like different weapons. But other than that, it just feels like playing like a really sort of like basic version of like the Platinum game. You know, their 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 same framework they have for most of their stuff, uh, but just on like on the phone. So it it feels good, and it looks it looks just like Okami, like the art style. Uh, which is twice now. That's pretty awesome. That sounds good. It's really cool. Which is, which really I guess cool. is appropriate considering like Clover, uh, Capcom used to be Clover for yep. the ones who made Okami. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've got that the, the heritage. But other than the, other than the, like the visual style and like they have even the same thing where like you uh, when you meet an enemy for the first time, it like has a picture of them in like traditional like Japanese style tapestry. I forget what the hell it's called, but it's that like, same kind of like watercolor drawing. Um, so it's really on the nose, uh, but you know it's it's all based in Japanese folklore anyway. So sh- shared inspirations more than anything. Um, so there's that, and then there's also awesome. I, I gotta Apple... check that out because I I have Apple Arcade, but I haven't been playing much on it other than Grindstone and um, Punch Planet. So right, yeah, I I really like what they've got on there, and and they've also added a bunch of stuff today, which is like. Existing phone games you may have already had, like uh, Freeze is an example, Monument Valley, um, Cut the Rope, <laughs> of all things. Uh, I guess it's a remastered version, to be fair. But they've basically had they remastered these games and like throw them onto Apple Arcade. So like Freeze is now using the full aspect ratio of of the iPhone. Like now they do full screen displays and stuff. And Cut the Rope's got like a remake basically and. It's it's all that sort of stuff, which is really cool. I think the thing that's really caught my attention is the Tatsu no Taikijin game, uh, Taiko, sorry, Taiko no Tatsujin game, um, which is okay. the drumming game from Namco. Uh, oh but yeah, it, they've, been, they've made a phone version. That's so cool. Um, I have to, I didn't know that. I'll have to grab that. I freaking love those games. They literally just launched today out of nowhere. Uh, included in Dang. the soundtrack is is Butterfly from Digimon Adventure. Yo, so, oh my god. Okay, I gotta I gotta get that. Then I have no, oh, there's no yeah. no choice. It's fantastic. No like the soundtrack is roughly based on it feels like a like a, a like a cut down version of the like the soundtrack for the Switch game uh, minus the Nintendo stuff obviously and a ton of like things like uh, the Toho songs seem to be gone sadly but there is in terms of like the anime music which I think a lot of people go to those games for it's got the it's got the DBZ theme you know Headchella it's got Cruel Angels thesis it's got We Are from One Piece um, and it's awesome. got uh, Digimon uh theme so amongst other stuff so like tech and music and that sort of thing so um yes get, get on that i i've been playing it a bit and it's really fun 
it's exactly what you think it is. So, like, does, um, does it still play well? Yeah. Even if you're that's all your fingers. Pl- um, I think so. I think it's really fun to do the drum rolls because you're like, I basically just play it like I hold it, I hold the phone with one hand, and I kind of like because you have the drum in the middle of the screen, but it's like the bottom of the screen, obviously, so you're not you're right, able to yeah. see the, the notes coming. You hold, you have to hold it sideways, of course. Um, mm-hmm. so like you're holding, you're like pressing the drum in the middle of the screen, and then you're tapping outside of it to do like the the, the rim shots, right? And uh, the blue for the blue notes, and uh, yeah, I think it works. It's 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 a, the only the only problem I have with it is that um, hitting a big blue note where you like would normally like hit both sides of the drum, um, or you know press L and R or whatever on a controller. I don't know how that works. Um, you kind of have to tap like both sides of out both like outsides of the screen if that makes sense, and it's a little bit mm-hmm. fiddly. I don't think holding your phone and like holding it like a game controller really w- works as well for Tyco. So I'm kind of like using my hand, my free hand, holding it with one hand, using my free hand to like play it. So it's a little bit awkward, but like I think I'm not trying to like get mega high scores and something like this. I've got the Switch game with the drum controller. I'll just go to that if I really want to properly Tyco it up. But I think as like a light version of the game. Other than that, the presentation. Um, yeah, the presentation, the like, the song list, the it's even got like online multiplayer stuff. Like, it's really good. So, yeah, that's so dope. I had no that's, idea about that. Cool. So, thank you, thank you for letting me know because I'm going to go Literally, and grab that right now. <laughs> Apple doesn't promote anything like this, it seems, but yeah, they just like launched all this shit, like about 50 or so games added today, and including like Fantasian and stuff. And I feel like Fantasian was the only one I would have known about if I hadn't actually looked for myself. So, so yeah. Weird. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've been doing. Um, so, what about you? Where can we find you? What have you been up to? You can find me at Sloan Rosetta on Twitter. I beat P5R last night. I played like seven hours yesterday. I beat one you of the super bosses. The, um, the end of that game completely makes up for the absolute like low mid-tier wet fart that the end of uh, P5 <laughs> Vanilla is. I... I, I'm going to write something up like long form about this because I have a lot of thoughts, but I really, rec- I cannot recommend it enough, honestly. Like, I do have a few, like, minor problems about the ending, like the ending cutscenes type of thing, but it's a it's a fantastic game. The third semester makes up for so much. It's a lot of fun. They go really wild with some of my favorite tropes and stuff and, like, ideas, so I absolutely love it. Uh, the final boss fights were fantastic. That's a great game. Can't believe I'm a Persona fan again. <laughs> I really can't, but here we are, 2021. I'm into Persona again. Persona 5 Royal, really good. Now I can play other video games. I have <laughs> so, that, so, that so new much ending, to play. Can I can I just ask? That new ending was pretty much written by like the the hairs apparent essentially to like the Persona games from now on. Now that the P5 team like leads are basically off oh, making is a it? medieval game, right? I, I, I that's all I'm asking no, you. I have no idea. Because I knew oh, they I were have no the... idea. Oh right, okay. <laughs> Sorry, um, there's that like Project Zero, whatever it's called, uh, not not Project Zero, but like Project Re Fantasy. That's it, yeah, like the one where it's like a medieval. They're basically trying to make their own version of Dragon Quest, but like Persona style, kind of like and Persona team now is like under new management, kind of, or like you know people have got promotions. I think that's I think that's the case. Yeah, that's the case. 
If it is the case, and the people who did the third semester are like sort of like new up and comers, that sort of like were given charge of it, then I it really hope so be. because it feels it felt very fresh. It was really I adore it. I the third semester cool. makes up for basically every problem I had in the end game of the original. Uh, some of the yeah. themes, of course, you know, those aren't going to change so much. Yeah. But Royal is a a very good improvement. Highly recommend it if you want to sink in like 120 hours into a game. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah, um, I, I I think at this point I would only get that game if it was on a different platform because I I already put so much time into Persona Four, so Persona Five Vanilla on PS Four back in uh, back in, and I don't want to do it on like. When I get a PC, I will probably be happier to put that sort of time into something like that, maybe. Or, or you know, I want a Switch version. I know it's a cliche. I know people who pop-beg PS4 for Switch are, like, the most annoying people on the planet at some point. But, like, hey, guess what? That would still rule. I still want that. <laughs> I want Shimigami Tensai yeah. 5 first, please. But after that, <laughs> after that, it would be nice if Persona 5 could come to Switch. Uh, and Royal, specifically. I don't want the original. I want Royal. So... That's yeah. valid. It's so yeah. weird that that hasn't happened like, yet. I, I'm, I'm kind of on. excited for whatever they might show for Persona 6 now. Like, I hope it's like as fresh as this was. So Sure, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, and so next... what's, our, what's our plan for next week? Next week, we are doing our Zero Two retrospective. Maybe we'll have a special guest on like we did last time. Who knows? Uh, we do, and we are going to have special guests on. Uh, we're going to talk about the whole <laughs> series, similarly to how we did last time with Adventure. So if you want to send in any mail about your thoughts on Adventure Zero Two, memories, etc., etc., please do, because that'd be great. But yeah, next week is all Adventure Zero Two, baby. Nothing but O2. We are here to Zero Two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to looking back at uh zero two in in macro rather than in in micro so this will be definitely a fun time i have to t- i have to start prepping my notes for all of this because i think this time like i have some other different thoughts and other ideas so uh yeah i hope you're all excited for that because that is going to be a very good time this was the NovaCast, and thank you for listening to our final episode of the final episode of zero two i don't think that made sense but oh well see you next time (laughs) thanks everyone thanks for listening